Hello and welcome to Giant Mess, a super sloppy sports and entertainment talk show that covers Giants football, Mets baseball, movies, TV shows, comedy, and it's got some funny stories and life lessons mixed in for good measure. It's hosted by Giant Mess. That's me, the real cinch, Neil Lynch. I'm a former college quarterback and pitcher turned overthinker. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Top Golf. My first ever trip to Top Golf. Uh, I'll give my thoughts on on that experience. A brunch date in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Will it spark non-brotherly love? A different kind of love. Also, my fantasy football draft was this past weekend. I'll regale you with all kinds of tales, both tall and short, about my uh, three-day experience in the Poconos. Poconos? What's all this talk about Pennsylvania, Johns? Yeah, a lot of Pennsylvania time in Pennsylvania, in PA. Went to Philly, went to the Poconos, what's going on? Do I want out from Jersey? I don't know. Subconsciously, maybe? No! And then we'll talk Mets and Giants. Mets talk, Doc and Daryl finally getting their numbers retired. About goddamn time, although some people would say, is this too much? How we went from, hey, retire all these numbers to now it's too many, it's too much. Like what what happened there? What, why is there no longer on the same page? Pete Alonzo, should we give him a contract extension or should we trade him in the off season according to Bob Nightingale, who I don't think is a real person? The Mets are gonna trade him in the off season. And then we'll break down uh, the Mets fifth starter option for the rest of the season. Should we really be running Carlos Carrasco out there every fifth day? Some would say no. And then Edwin Diaz has talked about returning in when he's healthy towards the end of the season. I'll give you my, my brain farts about that. And the Giants? Well, they had their preseason game against the Panthers. They had a preseason game, their final preseason game against the Jets in the Snoopy Bowl. What is it? The MetLife Bowl? Whatever bullshit they're calling it. But a very big move. Trading for Isaiah Simmons. For a seventh round pick, what? Steal of the century, Joe Shane, you done did it again. And then roster cuts. Today was the day, August 29th, Tuesday, 2023, year of the Lord. And so all NFL teams had to cut down to 53 active players on the roster as of 4 p.m. Eastern standard. And uh, some interesting moves, but uh, you don't want to overreact because there's a lot that could happen the next day or two. That could, it's not like final, final, final. And I mean, it's never really final, is it? So without further ado, let us get it started up in here. So as I mentioned, we I uh, went to Top Golf for the first time. I, it's actually the second time that I've actually been to the facility. It's the first time I've actually played at a Top Golf. First time was when I was married to my beloved, my betrothed. And uh, we had some friends visiting from out of town, from California from either San Fran or San Jose, I forget where they lived at the time. And we thought, let's go to Top Golf. And so we went to Top Golf. And we didn't realize you had to do all these things in order to do the Top Golf. You can't just walk in and be like, I want a Top Golf. They got they're gonna be like, no, well, you actually you gotta go XYZ. Like apparently you have to register for an account. You have to pay a five dollar membership fee. You have to reserve a bay. Like there's a whole process and protocol and procedure that goes into top golfing. And we didn't do any of that shit. I wonder how much business they lose turning people away that just walk up. 
And uh, it was a madhouse at that point. It's going to be like a two-hour wait or something like that. It was a weekend, so that uh, was on us. And it was an evening weekend when they're the busiest, so that's 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 on us for sure. But, uh, man, walk-ins, I don't know. I guess if you have people that are like from out of town or that are not in the area, they're like, well, we can't do anything else in Edison, New Jersey, so let's uh, let's crank it. Let's just... Throw back some brews, get some food, and we'll wait. And then we'll then we'll talk golf. So we actually left. <laughs> we didn't stick around. We ended up going to some uh restaurant. I don't know if it was a Mexican restaurant or a sushi restaurant. Um, still ended up having a good time. But yeah, so that was my one and only previous visit to Top Golf, and it resulted in zero Top Golf. So this time I looked into it, looked ahead, and planned ahead and researched and did all the necessary steps in order to top golf. I met my buddy, one of my college buddies, uh, a fellow pitcher on the on the team, uh, a tall, lanky dude who could bring the motherfucking heat, the cheddar, but uh, often got in his own head and couldn't throw strikes. Yeah, kind of like Rube Baker. Is that Rube Baker in Major League Two? Like he couldn't he couldn't throw it back to the pitcher. He got into it in his head, and then they get introduced into Playboy. And so he started thinking about, uh, or was it Playboy or was it a catalog? Oh, first it was Playboy, didn't work. And then it was like the Sears, it was a lingerie catalog. And so he would just memorize all the, the items in the lingerie catalog. And then he would be able to take his mind off the yips, which then Chuck Knobloch, an actual real life baseball player, experienced playing second base, which is just, ooh, that's rough. So yeah, that was the, the college buddy that I went to Top Golf with. We met up at an Irish pub in Metuchen, not too far away from Top Golf in Edison. Uh, I, the night before, decided to um, imbibe. I decided to bend some elbows on my own solo style. And I watched three stand up specials one from, uh, I can't say friend, an acquaintance, maybe, a friend of a friend. Jared Freed went to Penn State with a couple of buddies that I. And friendly with that also were at Penn State at the same time. One of my buddies is in the same fraternity as said Jared Freed. He uh, has a Netflix special, 37 and single. He's currently 38, but uh, when he filmed this, he was 37. 37 and single was the was the title of it. And it's uh, it's incredible to witness his rise through the stand-up ranks. And what a long road it truly is to hoe uh, if your name isn't um, Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, or Burt Kreischer. <laughs> it's like there are very few, very, very few stand-ups that like within six months are blowing up. Like it's, you know, I remember when I was enrolled in the Manhattan Comedy School, the guy who owns that comedy school told me, All right, so you're in for about seven to ten years of doing stand-up before you actually like it actually becomes like you're good at it and it can be a full-time job. I was like, oh fuck. And at the time I was 32. And I was like, seven years. And I, and I was like, yeah, yeah, right, right. He probably says that to scare newcomers or whatever. And maybe it works on, you know, I, I guess like people that are right out of college or high school that really think that that are dead set on stand-up comedy. It's like, this ain't no thing. It's like, yeah, I'll be, before I'm 30, I'll be swimming in that stand-up comedy dough. Scrooge McDuck style, but I was 32, so I was like, oof. And, uh, but I was like, you know what? Pfft, fuck it. Like, I don't have a family. <laughs> I 
I'm single. Might as well, you know, people, some people say I'm funny. Some people say I'm a tryhard. Some people say that I'm just a wacky, silly, crazy, creepy kind of guy. So I thought I'd give it a shot. And uh, yeah, I did it off and on for like four years. And then I, I, I quit. I guess you could say I quit. Unofficial retirement. I never officially retired, so I guess I'm still in the stand-up comedy game, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Active reserve. So, uh, you know, my friend had told me about Jared Freed, his buddy, who also did stand-up comedy. He invited me to a show to go see Jared Freed at a bar, and it was a very intimate setting, and he was awesome. He was hilarious. And at that same setting, I saw What's-His-Face from Weekend Update, not Colin Jost, the other dude. Michael Shea was on that show. And also, her name is Glitter Cheese on Twitter. What is her actual name? Liz Tri- Liza Triger. And there were a couple others. So a couple of pretty big names in stand-up comedy were at this bar show. And I was like, wow, this guy is pretty funny. So I decided to, I'm just going to keep tabs on him. I'll follow him. He ended up writing for me when I was uh, the editor-in-chief at uh, Coed. Uh, no free shout outs, but uh, I was the editor in chief at Code, which is a meaningless title that uh, meant nothing and I uh, was not treated as such. <laughs> so he ended up writing for me there. I think he also wrote for Bro Bible for a little bit, and I ended up writing for Bro Bible. This is the circle of life. And uh, so this is his first net stand up comedy special, full hour long special, I believe. Um, if you are an NFL films fan, where they do those top 10 countdowns. You might have seen Mr. Jared Freed on the on the top 10 countdowns. He kind of pops in and gives us little quips. I think he had another show on True TV or something like that. So, yeah. I've, like, loosely stayed in touch. Not really, but sort of. I remember I went to see Amy Schumer did, like, a surprise pop-up show at a Gotham Comedy Club. And uh, the crowd was moving into the the the, the venue of the theater. And I saw him and I was like, Hey man, how's it going? And he was just, and he was like baffled and it turned, and then he eventually explained to me like, yeah, I was supposed to perform. I was supposed to get paid and I got bumped for this joke stealer. Now I don't, I don't want to allegedly, I don't want to verify that because uh, I actually do like Amy Schumer. Um, in an alternate reality, I think I would have hooked up with her when she went to Towson and I went to Hopkins. I think that, might have happened we just cross paths and sliding door style but uh yeah he seemed pretty miffed about that so but now he gets his his shine his his he gets to show up show up and show out on netflix uh and uh you know i i i liked it a lot i thought you know he mostly talked about dating talked about dating apps you know being 37 and single it's and I'm now, well, I'm now almost 43 and single again. Back at back at single status. Back to, like, I I tried to defeat the boss, and then I lost all my lives, and now I'm back to the beginning of the game again. Fantastic. So uh, he just talked about the dating apps, which, uh, you know, I've talked about at length on this podcast, but the dating apps fucking suck. Um, but, yeah, he was, I thought it was pretty good. He's got a, an, an amazing amount of energy and he's able to project his voice. I think that's uh, first and foremost, his, his ability to project his voice is uh, definitely inspirational 
impressive. I highly recommend it. I, I think, uh, you know, he talks about his married friends. A lot of his friends are married. I think that was uh, a source of material for me is like, you know, being in your early 30s to mid 30s and seeing all your friends get wifed up and have kids and you're just there like, what, what was this the plan? Everyone was on this. Like, when did we get together and decide this? You know, that was one of my jokes that failed, <laughs> crashed and also burned. Um, he talked about the ick, you know, when a girl and uh, I, I mean, it's, it, it clicks, the ick clicks for me. And I didn't, you know, for the longest time, you're like, wait, why did she ghost me? What happened? And then you, you, you kind of review everything with your friends. And if one of your friends is a girl, she'll, she'll go, yeah, it's that right there. You did that. And you're no longer interesting to that woman. It's like that little thing that I did, like I decided to wipe my mouth on my sleeve instead of the napkin. That's it. Cause I didn't, couldn't find a napkin and I was covered in sauce. That's it. Understandably, that's pretty nasty and gross. And I didn't actually do that, but the, he gave plenty of examples of that. Uh, gender reveal parties. He talked about gender reveal parties. Um, how, how, uh, he would take it to the next level and go all out and make it like a drinking kind of beer fest, drinking games competition, which I am all for. Anytime you can turn anything into a drinking games competition, sign me up. I am very, yes, hit subscribe, must follow. So, uh, you know, I, I and the, he does a lot of late night eating, which I never do late night eating. I never did that. I, the people that are the, like the midnight snackers, like I've always watched TV and movies TV shows and movies where like the, the the husband, you know, gets up, he puts on his robe or maybe he walks in his boxers or uh, whitey tighties, tidy whiteies to the kitchen, opens up the fridge and is just like munching away there. And I was just like, whoa, I, like I thought I had a big appetite that, you know, to, to be able to to have a full on dinner, three meals and then fourth meal, not at Taco Bell. OK. All right. You got it. Yeah. You got to feed the engine. I get it. You gotta, you gotta feed the, you gotta feed the stove, you know? So I, his, but it, it is crazy. Like I know that he, he, um, he has a podcast or he had a podcast called J train. I, he has another podcast now with someone else. And I, I forget the name of it. And I, I hate myself for not knowing that. So I'm going to look it up really quick and just, I, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, but it's, it's his entire almost entire fan base is uh so he's a j train podcast but i thought he had another podcast maybe he's just the j train j train podcast his audience his fan base all women <laughs> it's just like all women like the fact that he's uh single is a choice has to be he's not an incel like me <laughs> He's got plenty of options to to roll with there because like I've never seen anything like that. Like I've seen plenty of stand-up comedy specials in my day, all women. I friggin' love him. And he, he's done a bunch of stuff with Betches, B-E-T-C-H-E-S. And I think they actually co-produced or executive produced in partnership with Netflix this special. Um so yeah, he's he he does a lot of commentary on The Bachelor, which I I just get too frustrated with The Bachelor. But he's able to channel. I think he's able to channel that frustration into really like cutting 
incisive, funny, humorous commentary. And uh, has gained quite a following from that. So it's like, to me, I was getting, I was getting too upset because I know my, my ex-wife was like super into The Bachelor and was just, you know, uh, it was like must watch appointment television. Nothing else was except The Bachelor. And uh, I just watched it and be like, this is like, this is so formulaic, dude. It's just the same thing every friggin' season. And it's insane to me that these women or even these men on The Bachelorette who can talk about all the same talking points, vulnerability and all the oh, be open and blah, 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 and talk about commitment and da, da, da. And you're like, you're literally hooking up with like a handful of people <laughs> at the same time simultaneously. Uh, this is very interesting. So, uh, yeah, Jared Freed stand up special, 37 single Netflix. I think I highly recommend it. The next one was Joe List. This one's on YouTube. Uh, I honestly forget. I know one of his stand-up specials is called I Hate Myself. So I got, that's not it though. Joe List stand-up special YouTube. This year's material. No, is that it? I don't think that's it. Hopefully this is not autoplay and you have to listen to that. Enough for everybody. That was released 10 days ago. It's got about 410,000 views, which isn't too bad. I guess last year's special this year's material called this year's material has 2.2 million views uh i hate myself has 9.2 million views so yeah he's uh that's the beauty of that's the beauty of uh of where we are currently in the media landscape is that these stand-up comedians have started to embrace social media and online video and getting the word out about their work and not waiting and waiting and waiting for for someone like netflix or you know, one of the other streamers to come along and say, yeah, we're going to give you money to do it. Like, we're just going to, like, I have all this material. Usually you need, you know, the, the theory is that you want to have a whole, you can do eventually after a year, you have an hour of material and you can put it out. Do an hour, you know, work a year to get an hour of material, put it out. And I think that's the wise move. I think it's funny that when I was doing stand up, the owner of the Manhattan Comedy School was like, you're an idiot for putting your sets up. And he was correct because <laughs> a lot of them are not polished, right? They were just like my first time going through the material was in front of a, uh, a paying crowd, which is <laughs> not advised. I don't advise that. But just the idea that like, don't put any of your stuff up uh, until it's, until you get that special. I don't know. So, you know, he talked about how he uh, he stopped drinking and why he stopped drinking. I feel like a lot of com com comedians and comics are, go through that. Um, his relationship with his wife, uh, very very like self deprecating, but also uh, <laughs> indignant a lot of the times. Like, yeah, I get it, but at the same time, you don't have to be that mean about it. You know, that's kind of the his stance and a lot of stuff. But uh, so I love that Joe List. Uh, something for everybody, I think it was called. And then Shane Gillis was the last stand-up special that I watched. Uh, this one, I believe, was also on YouTube. I think this might have been two years ago. But he talks about having a dad that's like a Fox News dad. I have a Fox News mom. So it's like, yep, everything you're saying checks the box, the boxes for what I have to experience and deal with a lot of the time. Just like, you know, uh, 
the Chinese are funneling fentanyl through the Mexican drug cartel into our Halloween candy. Okay, mom. Like, let's, uh, that's a lot to <laughs> unpack. Let's take it step by step. So, uh, yeah. And he uses a lot of sports references and analogies and metaphors, which I tried to avoid in my stand-up because I was like, I just feel like a lot of the crowd doesn't get it. But that's only because they're not my fans. I think if I just kept telling the jokes that I think are funny, that the guys that I, you know, that I think are funny, eventually you get enough of those guys to tell the other guys to come to your show and then you have a whole fan base and then they get it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, when I watch these stand-up specials, it always makes me think I should, you know, maybe I should get back in the game. You know, I should get back out there on stage and like, you know, I have nothing to lose at this point. Uh, except maybe my daughter, <laughs> but no. So, uh, yeah, I, I watched way too much stand-up comedy and I didn't get to bed till way too late, almost 2 AM. Now I tell you that, to tell you this, so that when I meet my buddy at Top Golf at Haley's Irish pub in, in Metuchen, uh, I was a little off kilter. I know that's more of a, a Scottish joke with a kilt in there, but uh, I was not completely 100% on top of my game. You know, I was a little hungy, a little hungover. And so I was not thinking clearly. Um, and we ended up getting Reuben rolls, which are like the Irish equivalent of egg rolls. I guess you would know cheesesteak rolls. Maybe it goes egg rolls were first, then cheesesteak rolls, and then the Irish were like, check this shit out. And they gave us Reuben rolls. So good. And these Reuben rolls, I've... I've had my fair share of Irish pub meals and the Reuben rolls are always good, but it's like, they could be a little bit better. This one is probably the best. These were probably the best I've ever had. The way that they sliced and diced and shredded the Reuben was like so fine and smooth. It wasn't like, Oh, I have the piece of ligament in my incisor, whatever <laughs> the molar. Um, that was so good. And it was my buddy's first time eating them. And I was like, Thoughts? What do you think? I know you're Jewish, but you want to convert? You already got the ish right there. Wouldn't be hard. And then uh, I ordered an Irish breakfast. And I think this is the first time I've ever had an Irish breakfast. I am 50% Irish. I've I've told jokes about how I get I catch shit from 100% Irish people. Um, about how not Irish I am <laughs> in a lot of respects. The fact that I've never had an Irish breakfast is is confounding, and I apologize. Stay, it's steak, eggs, Irish bacon, bangers, which is like sausage, beans, tomatoes. It's a uh, hearty dude, and uh, you know we met up at like one. Oh no, sorry, twelve. It's twelve, a little after twelve, and I hadn't had anything to eat. Um, and I was going to get involved in some serious two hours of golf, top golf. So I was like, I got to fill up, especially if I'm going to have a couple adult bevs. So, uh, that was fun. Got full, got stuffed. And then, uh, I get a message from top golf. Hey, you haven't checked in yet. If you don't check in by this time after uh, X amount of time, I think it was 15 minutes after your reservation time, you forfeit the bay. Like, we we're going to give the bay away. I was like, what? I don't remember seeing that anywhere in the FAQ. 
you know, I poured over that friggin' website and the app just trying to figure out, okay, I don't want to get any, I don't want to be caught off guard or caught by surprise with this friggin' uh, establishment anymore. That's not going to happen to this guy. No more. And then they were like, yeah, if you're not here in 15 minutes, like you're out. And I'm like, oh shit. So I'm like trying to race, we're trying to race to get there. And there's an accident on route one. And I was like, I can't believe that we're going to miss top golf because of an Irish pub. And uh, a pretty nasty accident that backed up all the way to the off on ramp, off ramp, whatever. And luckily, we got there like just in time. But it's so much fun. I don't, I don't know if that's breaking news, but like, uh, I want to say not a million times more fun, not even a thousand times more fun. Because now that I have improved somewhat with my golf game the actual golf experience is not as uh embarrassing or shameful so i i enjoyed top golf and i think i enjoy it more than real golf but we'll get to it the real golf i the real golf outing i had was was not was pretty good it just went by way too quick and i understand we were like 15 minutes late but even 2 hours like couldn't we make it can i extend it can i go 3 hours i don't i didn't see any option to do that it was just like, hey, you know, towards the end, it was like, hey, if you want to order food, order it now because you can't after this amount of time. And I was like, oh, okay, you guys run a pretty tight ship over here. There were, and I also didn't feel bad. I was also stroking it pretty nicely. Very nice stroke going on. And uh, it was also comforting to know that we had uh, people on the left and right of us, groups on the left or right of us, who maybe have never golfed before. Because they were shanking the shite out of their golf balls, which I didn't mind. But the there's a ball tracker. That's how it's able to track the ball and reward you points if you score points, you know. And so we're setting up to hit, and these people are just shanking, slicing left and right so hard that the tracker picks up their ball and thinks that's our shot, and is like, "All right, well, better luck next year. Try again." Zero points. And it's just like, no, 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 no. So I guess luckily you have the ability to edit that score, which is uh, pretty sweet. And then sometimes you it would it would track, it would land in the target, and it just doesn't register. It's like, all right, uh, zero. So I don't know how you fix that. It wasn't a humongous problem. It was just a little, a little tricky. And the games you can play are cool too. Um, you know, I think we played like five or six of the different various games that you can have which also adds a nice little variety of spice, which is the spice of life um, to the experience as opposed to like, all right, drive and then three wood or iron and then chip and then putt. So highly recommend. Um, you know, we ended up uh, talking a little bit afterwards, having a beer, just talking about life and then uh, went our separate ways. Um, came back home and I, and I ended up watching, I have a huge list. A huge list of all the classic movies or I have a list of the top grossing movies and I'm like okay I'm gonna go through year by year and anything I haven't seen I'm gonna make a note I gotta see this you know because it's it's ridiculous that I keep trying to watch these new movies that are like they're never hit the theater and no one's gonna remember and sometimes they're good and decent and like I might remember them, but most nine times out of 10, like it's just going to come in and out of my mind and that's it. 
but it's like i gotta i gotta make better use of my time on this planet and go through the the classic most successful top grossing movies and say like okay why was this top grossing let's figure it out let's see what people loved so much about this movie. So I decided to, to turn on Beverly Hills Cop because I've never seen the Beverly Hills Cop movies. I know that uh, Eddie Murphy is Axel Foley. I know that he wears a Varsity Letterman jacket for the Detroit Lions. He's from, the character's from Detroit. I know the songs, the soundtrack. I know Judge Reinhold's in it. Like, I know all that. I know that one of the dudes from Perfect Strangers is in it. I know that. Have I ever seen the movie start to finish? No. Have I ever seen any of the movies start to finish? No. So it's kind of wild that it's a, it's probably one of the top grossing action comedies and might have even set the tone, possibly, for action comedies. It kind of maybe launched Eddie Murphy into the stratosphere. So I was like, all right, let's give it a whirl. Uh, hmm. I'll say this. It's crazy that it's that Beverly Hills Cop sold more tickets than a lot of blockbusters. And I wish I could, uh, I, maybe I need to pull it up now because I feel like I can say that and you'd be like, okay, like what? Like what blockbusters? So I'm going to I'm gonna pull it up. I'm going to go through them, okay? <clears throat> now, these are estimated number of tickets sold, which I've thought about this a lot, where I want to set up like social media accounts where basically that's all I post is like, can you believe this made more money than this? Can you believe that this wildly her widely heralded, massively successful, popular movie actually sold less tickets than this movie that no one remembers <laughs> or that you wouldn't think? So uh, because of inflation, right? So like Barbie, I guess is considered uh, Warner Brothers' most successful film of all time, top grossing film of all time by gross by the amount of money that it made problem is we're living in like uh, a material world and i'm a material girl problem is we're li <laughs> we're living in a horrifically bad inflation period so like the one any movie that makes a billion dollars now i now i'm like uh okay so what because you look at the estimated number of tickets sold and those kind of movies actually aren't they just aren't. Case in point, Beverly Hills Cop came out in 1984. 1984 was a fucking sweet year for movies. Like I, I thought about time travel a lot. And I think if I could time travel back, you know, I got, I, I think I told this before, I got interviewed by the newspaper. This newspaper journalist was just walking around and asking people, well, if you could travel back to any time, what do you do that? This is a local paper. It must have been slow. You know, it was, you know, Hopewell, like nothing happens in Hopewell. So she's going around, she's asking everyone, like, when would you like to go back? And I think my mom said, I'd like to go back to when they signed the Constitution. I was like, eh, that's kind of, at the time, I was like, yeah, that sounds so, wow, that sounds so cool. And then I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of slaves back then. Uh, <laughs> and I said, and then, of course, I said, when Back to the Future happened, the 50s, because I was in, insanely obsessed with Back to the Future as a freshman in high school. And uh, people are like, well, yeah, this is kind of problematic. Like, what isn't problematic, dude? Uh, but I think now I'd go back to 84 and just see all the movies in the theater. <laughs> I think that's uh, that might be the way to go for me. Um, that's the first stop. Next stop would be to kill Hitler, right? Yeah. Before the atrocities. Got it. So um, 
Beverly Hills Cop is, in terms of tickets sold, estimated number of tickets sold, take a wild gander. Your best educated guess at where that ranks all time in the history of cinema. Would you guess, you'd probably guess what? Top 100 maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know you. I would like to get to know you. 47. 47th highest number of uh, tickets sold. What was the gross? Lifetime gross? $234 million. Now, your mind starts to go to other things like, okay, well, this movie made $230 million. The fucking Flash made $230 million, right? The Flash, not on this list. (laughs) So you can tell, like, inflation... That's why the billion dollar mark is no longer impress. I mean, it is impressive because it means, okay, box office is still a thing. People are still going to theaters. God bless. Love it. But at the same time, like, I don't know that, like, The Dark Knight, okay, came out in 2008. Uh, I think it made a billion dollars worldwide. Sold 74 million tickets, estimated number, with a uh, domestic gross lifetime gross of $534 million, which would be $681 million domestically uh, now. That was 2008, so it was 15 years ago. Oh, my God, dude. And I contributed to three of those tickets. I went to see it three times at the theater. No big deal. Once, maybe twice in IMAX. So Beverly Hills Cop is 47, dude. 67 million tickets sold. Now, would you believe me if I told you that Beverly Hills Cop sold more tickets than Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, the, the, the last installment in the trilogy, Finding Nemo, The Lion King, Spider-Man 2, arguably the best Spider-Man, Animal House, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, Back to the Future, the Dark Knight Rises, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, The Sixth Sense, Superman, Beauty and the Beast, Harry Potter, and the Sorcerer's Stone. Probably not. Uh, if I had to guess, probably not. Can't see you, can't hear you, but you're probably... Let me pick up that jaw for you. What the fudge, dude? Beverly Hills Cop. So I was like, all right. <laughs> Obviously, this is super popular, and I understand the 80s, like, not a whole lot of options and and literally movies stayed in the theater for like a year plus, sometimes two years. So, okay, that makes sense. But damn, it's gotta be something about this movie that I need to figure out. So I, I watched it and I was like, man, the most impressive thing about the movie is Eddie Murphy. Dude was 23 when the movie came out, which means he was probably like 22 when it filmed, maybe even 21. Holy shit. Like I know Eddie Murphy was super popular like basically on snl when he turned 18 or something like that maybe younger but fuck dude like we often and i think that like the most modern day equivalent to that would probably be uh pete davidson right pete davidson got on snl when he was like 21 i think 23 maybe i don't know 20 it's the young dude and like it's just funny how eddie murphy like watching it back when I, as a kid growing up, I was like, I never looked at him and said, oh, that's a 20-year-old. I just thought, oh, there's a grown man, a funny grown man on the TV. But yet my viewpoint of Pete Davidson being an, an older boomer is like not as uh, forgiving. Or it wasn't 
wasn't as forgiving. I, I think now it's kind of like, dude, do you remember when you were 20 and you couldn't even fucking put your pants on? So, uh, that being said, wild that it was so incredibly popular and it got two more movies. <laughs> uh, maybe I need to see Beverly Hills Cop 2 because maybe that's better. I would think that Beverly Hills Cop 3, which came out in like the early to mid 90s when I was, you know, a freshman or sophomore in high school, like I do not remember that coming out. <laughs> so uh, I kind of lost interest, but it, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's like, I don't think maybe it, it was a case of like America just didn't not used to seeing that or had not seen that kind of personality on the big screen. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff where it's like it. And that's why it's hard. That's why I wish I could like maybe do a memory wipe and then time travel back to 94. I don't know. Like if I could time travel, can you also get in like eliminate the things in your mind that you've seen <laughs> post Beverly Hills Cop without seeing Beverly Hills Cop because I imagine it laid down the tracks and the and the blueprint for a lot of the cop action comedies that came after it you know uh so yeah that was that was Saturday I also watched Bodies 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 which <coughs> I hope to give the review of that hopefully this episode probably not Sunday that following day uh I had to get up early to catch the Amtrak train to Philly from Trenton for a brunch date I, uh, it doesn't matter how far in advance I plan for something or how much time I have before something is supposed to occur. If I, if I give myself enough time and ample time to get ready and to go, I'll still somehow figure out a way to be cutting it very close. You know, the train was at like 10 Oh four or something like that. I left the house and, uh, started driving away, realized I didn't have my contacts in and was like, oh, this is going to be super annoying. So swung back, ran back in, got my contact lenses, sped to the train. Train train is centered. I've never really parked there, so I didn't know how to park. Ended up parking in in the one uh, lot or garage where it's like no one was because essentially it's a total ripoff for Trenton. And uh, parked the car, uh, ran in, got all the way down the tracks. The train's coming, and I'm like, "Fuck! I don't have my car keys. Where are my car keys? Ah, they're in the car." sprinted back up the stairs out the transit center past the cops out front who must have having themselves a damn time and uh managed to grab the keys that were in i do this all the time take it out my pocket and put it right in the little pocket little thing on the door grab the keys lock the door ran back and just caught the train amtrak is pretty sweet i gotta say that i haven't rode amtrak in a long time possibly college going from baltimore to jersey um and uh very comfortable luxurious it was an express train it was only half an hour into the philly station um and then i uh i decided to walk so to hoof it to this bar where i was meeting my date bar higgy who hoogie some kind of like she explained it to me it's not pronounced higgy h-y-g-g-e and it's actually uh i think it's danish yeah, a Danish word that loosely translates to coziness or comfort, and it's usually describing the feeling of snuggling indoors on a cold day. So what better place to have a summer brunch date <laughs> where I sweat my dick off? Uh, yeah, so it was a, I mean, I can't speak highly enough of this bar. The cocktails that they crafted, you know, I'm not typically, you know, I mean, like 
I'm drinking Bud Light class, Bud Light Seltzer Classic right now. I mean, like I'm not, you know, and I I catch shit for this all the time for drinking hard seltzer. It I, what I don't understand is like so I have to so in order for me to be considered a man, I have to drink something that tastes like shit. Got it. Like why not? And I'm, I keep saying it's five percent, and they're like, "That's not the point." And I'm like, "Well, then, what is the point? The point of drinking is to enjoy it and also to get a little buzz going, to feel good, taste good, feel good." Ever heard? And instead, they're like, "No, you gotta, you gotta have stuff that, uh, you know, can can catch a blaze and that makes you cringe and squint and like near barf. That's your, that's your man. It's like, all right, cool, all right, yeah." I'm just gonna keep doing me. So, but they 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 had a lot of cocktails that were fresh and fruity, fresh, uh, Rudy Tootie, crisp, light, refreshing. I gotta look up their drinks because uh, I feel like I'm not selling it good enough. Oh boy! No, I don't want to sign in, dude. The F, uh, Higgy Punch. That was good. It's not pronounced Higgy, by the way. I forget how it's Huggy. It's freaking Danes, dude. Like, why would you spell it like that and then pronounce it Huggy? Huggy. I guess because the Y is really a U. I don't know. The Higgy Punch, stateside vodka, lavender tea, lemon soda, coriander rim. So good. Uh, Espresso martinis. We had about a thousand of those. I wonder. I gotta pick, pull up the other menu because it's a brunch menu. No, I don't want to sign in. What is this sign in garbage? Here it is, brunch cocktails. Oh, so gotta kick it off with the Bloody Mary, right? The Danish Bloody Mary. It's row, row house aquavit, house bloody mix, lemon pepper rim with speck cheese and olive garnish. So good. <clears throat> I think I did have a mimosa because I mean you gotta. It's like required, right? I had a Bender Mender, which is stateside vodka, fresh ginger, mint, lemon, Angostura bitters, and soda. Hickey Punch, Bloody Mary Mimosa. And then, yeah, about a thousand espresso martinis, which I'm going to say worth it, but maybe not worth it because I did not sleep a wink <laughs> when I got back to my apartment. Um, and I had the break of the brunch burger. Added a little egg, a little bake, a little bacon. So good. And the potatoes that they gave were like uh, home fries, but in original potato form, if that makes any sense. Like crisp skin, but nice soft uh, interior. Um, uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. On Fairmount Ave, near where my date lived. Uh, so walking there, half an hour, built up quite the sweat, which is always nice to, to greet your date and be uh, dripping <laughs> little dew drops everywhere. And uh, got off to a, I don't know, I wouldn't say rough start, but she was flabbergasted that I had never been camping. And I'm like, whoa, is it that weird? Like, I just, uh, I don't think I've ever been camping other than a fraternity retreat, like my junior year, maybe. We went out in the woods and maybe Maryland and Pennsylvania. And like, we had a bonfire and we slept in tents. And that was like the extent of camping for me. And I don't think I did anything to contribute to that, <laughs> except, you know, uh, the jokes. Class clown jester. That's my shtick. Um, so, yeah, she was, uh, uh, 
I think she was a little weirded out that I'd never been camping, but it's like my dad, like my dad didn't take me fishing and camping. We played sports. Like I played sports. That's what occupied most of my time. Football in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring and then summer. So that's like, that's the schedule. Like I'm going to fish and hunt and camp somewhere in there. No. So, uh, and we had a pool or we go to the beach. That's, that's the life that I live. So with that being said, I do would like, I would like to go camping. It's just, you know, I don't even know where to start with that. It's like, I got to pick up all kinds of gear and can I even go camping by myself? Is that allowed? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to bring my daughter as a novice camper and then she just like a bear eats her and then that's on me, you know? (laughs) So the tab comes, I take out my wallet and you know, that, that customary regular dance that you do. Uh, whenever the the bill comes on a first date, this is technically, I guess, our first date where we meet in person. Although we had talked before on, on video chat, but so like I'm pulling out my wallet. She's kind of like hesitatingly pulling out her wallet because she probably wants me to pay. And I and I look, open my wallet and I make a face and I look at her with the same face, like I did not change my face. And she's like, "Oh, do you you want me to pay? Like you don't want to pay? Why do you give me that look?" And I was like. No, I just realized just now that I left my credit card at a bar <laughs> yesterday. So it took me. So I had the lunch at the Irish pub at 12.15. That got down about 1, 1.15, maybe even 1.30. It took me 24 hours plus to finally put two and two, two together to realize I had left my credit card at the Irish pub. So, uh, Yeah. Tell me your brain's mush without your telling me that your brain is mushed. Mashed potatoes, my guy. So yeah, walked her home, then walks to the, the back to the train station another half an hour and uh, got back home at like probably 8, 30, 9 o'clock. By the way, SEPTA, very confusing. Download the app and it's asking me to pay for, I don't have, oh, the phone's recording the video, Durr. How many times have you done that? I do that all the time where like I have that put the phone in the cradle and put on ways and it's like, you know, give me directions. And I'm like, and then I'm madly searching for my phone, do the pat down all the way down the chest, the torso, the, the thighs, like look in the glove compartment, look in my back pocket, look on the floor. It's like, dude, no, the phone is right there. It's giving you directions. That just happened. The phone's right in front of me. And uh, I'm like, where's the phone? I need to look up <laughs> the SEPTA app. SEPTA is confusing. You know, it's 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 embarrassing. First of all, it's embarrassing that I lived, you know, I used to live in this area 20 some odd years ago. I guess 25 plus years ago. Only went to Philly like two or three times, maybe four times during the seven years that we lived in the, in the in, uh, Mercer County area. So, and it was as a kid where it's like, I don't, you know, I have my license, but I'm like, I'm not driving into Philly and I'm not taking public transportation to Philly with friends, although I probably guess I should have. So, uh, I'm a little, not only rusty, but also very unfamiliar with the territory. Like, uh, the SEPTA app is like, uh, they have a card and I was like, I don't want a card. I just want to buy like a trip, like just a one way trip. And like, when I look it up on Google, it's like, it's $10. To just go from here to here. And like you would think you would open the app, like the New Jersey Transit app, you like select your destination. 
select your origin. Boop. All right. That's 10 bucks. Bye. Not that the New Jersey Transit app is the like pinnacle of success in terms of public transportation apps. It's still infuriating as fuck. Um, but the SEPT app is just beyond reproach, dude. I just don't get it. Like, buy my tickets. Okay. Click. All right, that'll be two dollars. But you don't know where I'm going. What? Uh, well, you can buy up to five tickets and display just your one phone. You can have the five tickets on the one phone, and you just display the one phone and the, for for you and for your friends or your family members. And it's right there. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I need one ticket from here to here for ten bucks. Couldn't figure it out. So I had to wait in line to the the friggin' vending machine, and it was slow as fuck. I, I get the ticket and then I, I'm walking and, it, and like on one side of the uh, of the hallway, there are the turnstiles. And I'm like, I think I'm supposed to go through there. But then the other side of the hallway are no turnstiles and you can just walk up to the platform. So I'm like, well, can I just walk? Like, I don't have to pay. Why did I just pay for that ticket if I could just walk up to the platform? What the fuck's going on here? So uh, very confused. And then, and then a guy with a... Um, Lazy eye, no teeth, told me where to go. And I was very thankful for that. So uh, <laughs> I was just like, and that was an hour back because they make a bunch of stops. Uh, but yeah, SEPTA, Jesus Christ, get your shit together. Um, and then this past weekend was the fantasy football draft weekend where we went, as I mentioned in the intro, we went to the Poconos, Whitehaven, Whitehaven Pennsylvania, Luzerne, Luzerne, Cousinary, County. This house is awesome. It's like an Airbnb VRBO type situation. We went there last year. I'm probably going to repeat a lot of the same shit I said about last year's trip. So I'll keep it brief. Um, I took off that Friday, went up, picked up my friend in uh, Maplewood, same buddy from Top Golf, drove out to Split Rock Golf Club. Uh, we had an 11 50 tea time. We got there at like 11 20, maybe. Eleven fifteen, and it had rained. I was very concerned, worried that like, do do you play golf in the rain? I feel like uh, I've seen. I recently saw a tournament where it's like uh, bad weather and it's like a light mist, you know, and they gotta evacuate the dance floor. So uh, I was I was like, are we even gonna be able to play this? And like, what are we gonna do for fucking four or five hours while we have to wait for the the house to be available because we couldn't go to the house until four four thirty. And uh, short, show enough, it stopped, but it made for one hell of a <laughs> course because it was like everything's damp and wet, and so the ball is not rolling. It just basically stops. It might skid a little at first, but then it's like, boop. and like it literally, so many balls, it just it lands and goes into the fairway to dig it out, and like all the bunkers were filled with water. <laughs> so it was like, so is this a water hazard? Do I need to drop? What's going on here? That's where I learned about free relief, which I thought was just something you get at a rub and tug. But that's not free, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we get there and I like I've had to take I had to go potty for like the past hour of the drive. It's a two hour drive. And for half the drive, I had to go potty big time. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of waddle my way. I asked the guy at the bag drop, like, hey, where, where can a, a young feller drop a doo doo? And so he told me, oh, you go in here and you go, bah, bah, bah. So I go in to the uh, restroom and it's like the first toilet's clogged. Second toilet doesn't have, stall doesn't have any toilet paper. Third one is the handicap stall. And I, 
I know that handicapped stalls are for handicapped people. How many handicapped people are there in the world? Handicapped people, if you're listening to this or watching this, is it okay if you're not handicapped to go into a handicapped stall in the event of emergency? Because this was an emergency. Um, of course, I was able to, I successfully, uh, you know, was able to uh, empty the bowels and then wash my hands and realize there's no towels, there's no paper towels. It's just, and there's no air dry type situations. Like literally, okay, I'm just walking around. There's no worse feeling. I mean, there's, there are many more worse feelings, but the feeling you get when you wash your hands and it's like, there is nothing to dry them except like literally waving your hands back and forth. Like uh, you just burned them trying to take something out of the oven without mitts. Yeah. Or like you're doing like a wacky, like pitchers, us pitchers, we have like wacky stretches to get our arms loose. That's kind of like what I looked like. <laughs> just like waving the arms back and forth. Uh, so yeah, I was able to check in, pay for, pay for everything. Um, and I actually played better. I mean, playing better. I got better. You know, I'm not good. I want to say like, you know, the, I played way better in the first half than the second half. Cause the second half, it's like, you know, I'm smoking a cigar. I'm a, a few, you know, a few drinks deep, that kind of thing. You just start to get a little too loosey goosey and you just, you just like, you start to lose focus. <laughs> so the first couple of holes, it was like, oh, a bogey, oh, a double bogey, which for me is like unbelievable. And then it, call, it kind of all came undone down the, down the stretch there in the second half. Um, I think it's a huge mistake to not, for these clubhouses around the bend, you know, at the halfway point, like at the halfway cafe is what the name of the place was. But like a huge mistake to not serve classic menu items that you would see at more prestigious golf clubs. Like I, I can't name a bunch, but at like the pimento sandwich or whatever that you would see in Augusta, I think it is, that golf course, like just throw that on the menu. It could suck, but people are going to order it. Like I had a hankering for like the pimento cheese sandwich type thing. I ordered a barbecue pulled chicken and the guy's like, how's pork? And I'm like, well, uh, yeah, all right. I don't want to be that guy. So yeah, barbecue pulled pork is, a, is okay, but that's like not even on the menu. How did you, where'd you pull that from? The other guys had the hot dogs and sausage and peppers. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I felt pretty decent about my game and what I was able to do. The thing that is frustrating a little bit like it took us about five hours for a foursome which i guess is long or too long i don't know i've i feel like i've googled that before and it always comes up around five hours so but there's always someone behind us that is just playing entirely way too fast and it gives you a, an undue amount of stress and it's like this is supposed to be fun like golf is supposed to be so it never is but it's supposed to be so relaxing like, hey, I'm out in nature, outdoors. I'm getting sun. I'm getting, I'm walking. It's like the, it's like exercise, but not really. And like, if you don't completely suck and you don't care too much, it's, it's an awesome time. And we did have an awesome time. But at the same time, you know, you have to start questioning like, should we let them play through? Let's ask them. No, they don't want to play through. They're just going to stand there and like, wait till we're just out of their driving distance and then drive the ball at us. <laughs> like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, good times. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, 
went to the house, probably 435, uh, took a shower, had some dinner. I mean, all the meals that we had, except for the meal, I was in charge of a meal, which is a mistake for, you know, that's right there. That's the biggest and first mistake that they made was putting me in charge of a meal. I was in charge of Saturday lunch. But so the dinner, our Friday night dinner, uh, we had a couple guys make crab cakes because they're from Maryland. So they make unbelievable crab cakes. So freaking good. And then pulled chicken, <laughs> which I wish I should have known before ordering lunch and, and a ton of coleslaw. And I think there was mac and cheese. I didn't have the mac and cheese. But uh, so good. And then we went down, played some poker down the basement. The basement. So there's bedrooms everywhere. I mean, there was... 12 guys in this, there's 14 guys in the league, 12 guys showed up, supposed to be 13. Everyone got their own bedroom, pretty much. So that's like a dozen bedrooms, I think. So everyone got their own bedroom. I always, I picked the same room as I did last year, which I think is, I made the same dumb mistake because it's on the main level, that that main floor. So there's a basement, main floor, and then the top floor. Main floor uh basement is kind of like ground level if that makes sense so you walk into the basement to get into the house and then up the stairs to the main level where there's the kitchen the living room the dining room uh one two three four bedrooms five six bedrooms i don't know i still have not explained like this house is so big i still have not gone to all the rooms in the house i've been there twice in two years still haven't explored the entirety of the house i've never seen the back of the house <laughs> So I picked the same bedroom as last year and then I realized I made the same mistake because I'm like, literally, you can't sleep in. There's no sleeping in. But the alternative is you go in the basement. That's where all the cool shit is where everyone hangs out late night, like poker table, shuffleboard table, pool table, air hockey table, TV, theater room. Like it's just where everyone could do cool shit is in the basement. So if you pick a bedroom down there, you be prepared to be up till three in the morning minimum. If you want to go to bed, like there were a couple guys that had to get up early and leave. Uh, like, oh yeah, I'm going to be on the road by six or seven 30. And like, we were down there until three in the friggin' morning. And I can't imagine they basically had a nap before they had to go drive very long distances. So uh, thoughts and prayers to them. But uh, so we went down to the basement and we played some poker uh, the, again after last year. I made it a mission because I feel like every year that I've been in this fantasy football league for years, years and years and years. And every year I'm completely thoroughly embarrassed myself in every single possible competition, poker, golf, pool, all that. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this noise. After last year, I was like, I, it, it is now my goddamn mission to make sure that I am somewhat respectable <laughs> and then i don't completely lose my shirt my pants and every single article of clothing and bank account playing these guys and uh i thought i did all right <laughs> like uh you know somehow i've completely lost the ability to play pool which is unfortunate because like I, I grew up my grand i used to go over to my grandparents house and that's all i did was play pool but uh i also playing pool like i guess I'm a lefty, even though I'm right-handed. And I guess I did that when I was a kid because I was like, well, at least I can control the the far end of the stick with my right hand and I'll shoot with my left, even though I have zero power in my left arm and hand. And so I try to do the switcheroo and, and control with my left and shoot with my right. And it, uh, yeah, it did not end well. But poker, 
I've been playing like free online poker on my phone at least once a week for the 52 weeks in between <laughs> these fantasy bubble outings. And like I've made it from easy to medium to expert level. The issue with the online game is I'm not playing with people, so you can't read anyone. You can't tell who's bluffing or, or whatnot. And I don't pay attention. And the, the, the game makes it very easy for you to, it gives you the options in front of you, like fold, call, raise, or fold, check, raise. Like it gives you that option every time it comes to my turn. So I don't really have to pay attention to like, okay, do I need to check or call here? Because it's literally right there. It's either check or call. There's fold, raise, check or call. Um, and so uh, that it threw me off to be playing with people because I was like, uh, I don't know what to do right now. Like, where's the little graphics at the lower, <laughs> lower third? So um, that being said, I think my uh, that kind of like knowing how to bet, but also not knowing what to do when it comes to me really threw people off. Like I was literally a wild card. Like, wait, you don't know what you're doing, but you do know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, I just don't know how to do that, but I do know how to do that. <coughs> so uh, it was a $20 buy-in and I, I, I lost my $20, bought in again, lost that $20, bought in again. So I'm now down 60. I ended up you know, one of the final hands winning a huge pot because people are like, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just keeps calling when he shouldn't be calling. And so he probably doesn't have anything. So I'm just going to keep raising. And if he keeps raising, great. It's it's my money. Like he's not going to, he's not going to win. And I ended up winning a huge pot. And so I won $112. So I was up 52, $52 at the end of the night. And I didn't know what to do with the chips because no one told me. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll just keep these, right? So I just put, <laughs> put them, and I had so many chips, like two, four fistfuls of chips. And I just put them like in each pocket and then in each back pocket. So I just had this, these shorts overflowing with chips because I was like, well, I don't want to like leave my chips there because, and and people were ridiculing me and mocking me. And and so I took them, ended up taking them to my bedroom. And then the next day we're trying to play poker and they're like, so who won what? And I'm like, well, hold on a second. And I go and get all my chips and lay them out. And I'm like, I won this much. And everyone else is like, wait, where are my chips? What happened to my chips? Did you remember how many chips I had? I'm like, ah, you motherfuckers. Who's the fool now? So uh, that next morning, uh, we were up till three in the morning. Ugh, such a mistake. And then the next day was the draft. Saturday, um, I got maybe like five hours of sleep. And I had the weirdest, I had the weird, like, I don't remember this, but I had the weird, according to my sleep app, which records me and all the movement and all the noises I make on the microphone, one of the weirdest night terrors ever, I guess it was a, a night terror, where it was just like, ah, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> what was that even, it, it didn't feel like a scream of fear or terror. It was more of like a surprise, maybe like, why? Oh, yeah. So, uh. Yeah, I didn't get any quality sleep. Um, and my one of the other guys was in charge for breakfast. And he, he made the same thing last year. Um, this like casserole with tater tots, cheese, eggs, and bacon is so goddamn delicious. And of course, I was in charge of lunch. 
So uh, I was like, uh, I'm just going to order pizza and wings. <laughs> like that feels like, how do you have a football gathering, football party and not have pizza and wings? So I was like, all right, just order pizza and wings. So I call, I do my research. And I'm like, I guess this is the best place in town. I call them up and the guy could not have been more of a dick. <laughs> I'm like, I, and I felt like saying, guy, I'm putting in a monster order right now. Way too much food, as it turns out. Can you just give me a little bit of grace? You know, like a little patience. Like I'm giving you a lot of money right now. This is a small town. I believe it's the off season. You should thank your lucky stars, maybe. I don't know. But you figure 12 guys, each guy, I had to Google this because <laughs> I, I can't go buy my own portions because I have no portion control. Because if it were just me, it'd be like, well, I'd have 20 wings and two pies. That's for me. So I was like, average amount of wings a guy, a person eats in a sitting or something like that. It was like six to 10. I was like, all right, that sounds about right. So I was like, 12 guys, they'll let you eat six to 10 wings. We don't want to be without wings. Might as well order more than less. So yeah, 100 wings. That sounds right. <laughs> and then pizza. I was like, average amount of pizza slices a person eats in one sitting. <laughs> like two to three I'm like all right we're all big dudes we all played football or baseball we're all like big big dudes above average size probably have big appetites some of us are late night eaters like jared freed so uh i was like all right five pizzas there's eight slices that's 40 slices divided by 12 guys that's like three to four slices per guy so i ordered five pizzas and 100 wings not knowing what the difference is between Siciliana and again, listen, I live with a lot of embarrassment and shame. I don't have a ton of pride. So in addition to being Irish and not knowing Irish shit, I'm also Italian and I don't know I tie shit. So like Sicilia, like my family, I believe is from Sicilia, Sicilia, Sicily. And uh, so I don't know what Siciliana pizza is. Sorry, but it sounds great. So I ordered one. I ordered two. One plain, one with the works. Because the works, it's like, you know, I, the odds are we're probably not a lot of vegetarians or vegans. And if you are, you just go for the cheese. That's why the cheese is there. It's for you. I apologize for not having a vegan or vegetarian pizza. Um, so I was like, I'll order a Siciliana cheese, Siciliana of the works, Napolitana, whatever the fuck that means. I think it's Neapolitan. Still don't know what that is. Um, so that will be one cheese, one the works. So that's four. And then you can't go wrong with buffalo chicken pizza. And I understand we have wings, a shit ton of wings, but buffalo chicken pizza, still popular. You can double down on the buffalo chicken. That's how good that shit is. So uh, <laughs> um, go to pick it up. Waiting in line, go up to the line. And I don't understand why customer service people do this. It throws me off. It happened at Chipotle too. Because I went to, uh, oh, that's uh, the Thursday. <laughs> so pause that story. I just got a flashback. We're going to Tarantino it back to Thursday. I had to go to get a calcium score, kind of like cat scan type thing, like an open air not ultrasound, not sonogram, but like a cat scan for my heart calcium score. Because I'm going through all the things, right? I'm going through all the tests to figure out like, am I going to um, pass from a cardiac arrest like my father? Like, is that gonna happen? 
should I prepare for it now? So let's get it all checked out because I don't think he did at all. And, uh, you know, didn't work out. So, um, like I went, uh, you know, last podcast, I talked about the ultrasound echo echocardiogram where my, my fucking, <laughs> my heart looked like an octopus. And then my buddy who's an ER doc, his name for his fantasy football team is like Takasubu, Takasabu, Sobu. I gotta look it up. Sobu. Takatsubu. Cardiomyopathy. So he went by Takatsubu. I I didn't I just didn't think to ask him what the fuck it means. It means broken heart syndrome. And it's a temporary heart condition that can be triggered by intense emotional or physical stress. The condition causes the heart's main pumping chamber, the left ventricle, to change shape and get larger. This weakens the heart muscle and means it doesn't pump blood as well as it should. And it can be similar to a heart attack. And guess what his logo was? The logo, which I thought looked like an octopus, was a broken heart. It was Takatsubo, which makes sense. And then I, last week, before knowing this, said that my ultrasound echocardiogram looks like an octopus. So I might die from a broken heart. Thank you, ex-wife. <laughs> so... Uh, that was a whole shit show, by the way, like trying to schedule that appointment through Princeton radiology, um, do not recommend they, why would you go on the web? I go on the website and I'm like, maybe I can schedule an appointment on the website. And there's a big ass button that says request an, an appointment online. And I'm like, I, okay, I guess it's the same as schedule. I press the button. I fill out the forms. I fill out all the, the stuff online. I scan my prescription. I upload it. I get them all the information they could possibly want or need. And then I get an email saying, welcome to the patient portal. You've registered. Congratulations. I'm like, thanks. I get a call during work. I let it go to the voicemail. On the voicemail, they're like, we've received your request. Please call us to schedule an appointment. It's like, what the fuck is the point of requesting appointment online if I can't just do it online, <laughs> like I deal with this all the time through work where it's like, it's very simple. It's called Calendly. And it's like, literally you share your calendar with people and you're like, pick a date and time. It, just peek it. It'll show you what dates and times are available. Pick a date and a time and you can do it. Blah. And it sends you a confirmation. Great. You're scheduled. Why, why, why can't, why can't, why can't, why can't, Finance institutions, banks, and doctor's offices and medical institutions fucking pick up the pace. You're two of the most profitable <laughs> entities and industries in the world, and you can't figure out online shit, like websites, digital, anything. So uh, I, I, I swear to God, I thought I called the right number, and I get scheduling. They're like, hey scheduling i'm like oh cool i need to um just calling you back and schedule an appointment you'd called me left a voicemail and she's like all right last name date of birth and i give my last name date of birth They're like all right why well, are you not in our system and i'm like how is that possible because i'm pretty sure i gave you all the information i scanned the doc blah blah, blah. they're like well you're not in the system i don't know what to tell you also receptionists the the the, the most customer facing persons patient facing persons in medical institutions stink I'm sorry. And if that means I'm banned from doctor's offices, fine. Fuck it. I'll go to Mexico. Like, I, why? And I understand. I lost my shit on Thursday. I, like, lost it. Because I was like, why is everyone I talk to in this whole journey 
such an asshole to me. <laughs> like, like I'm just trying to figure it out. And you're like, you could not be bothered. And it's just like, there's no customer care. So scheduling is like, yeah, you're not in the system. I'm like, that's really weird. Like I went online and I filled out all the stuff. And she's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. You want to schedule it or not? And I'm like, okay. So I scheduled the appointment. She's confirmed. Yeah. Thursday at this office, at this address, bring this, this, and this. You're good to go. I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, I go on the patient portal. I log in and I'm like, okay, it's been an hour or two. She'd probably put in the system by now. It should happen pretty quickly, right? So I'm looking, I click on appointments, no appointments. I'm seeing an appointment from when, from like a senior year in high school. Apparently I went to this place, senior year in high school, February of 1998 for God knows what, because I was a goddamn mess senior year. Uh, did not take care of myself at all. Not that I take care of better myself now. And <laughs> so I don't see an appointment. So I'm like, what the fuck? What's going on here? So it's like on in the patient portal, it says, call this number if you if you need to update your records. I call the number. I say, hey, I logged in the patient portal. I'm not seeing my appointment here. She goes, all right, I'll transfer you to scheduling. I go, no, 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 no. It told me to call your number to update my medical record. She's like, well, I'm not scheduling. I don't know what to tell you. You need to call scheduling. I'm not scheduling. I'm medical records, all right? I'm like, I'm looking at my medical record. My medical record does not have my current, my upcoming appointment, does not have my current information. It has my information from senior in high school, which was 25 fucking years ago. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I'm not scheduling. And I'm like, oh, you suck. Have a great day. Yeah, you have a great day. I then get another call saying, hey, you requested a, 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 to schedule an appointment online? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, what's going on here? I'm very confused. I scheduled it. And she's like, oh, okay, well, you have a great day. And I'm like, this is not adding up. Like, I'm going to show up at this fucking appointment, and no one's going to know anything. Show enough. Show up at the appointment. I, I tell them my information. I have an 11-15 appointment. All right, last name and, and date of birth. And I give my last name and date of birth. Uh, are you sure it's this facility? We have no appointment on the books for you to, for today at this time. And I'll go, oh, my God. Literally, I've been getting text reminders on my phone every hour on the hour from this fucking group saying, your appointment is at this time. Please confirm. Your appointment, is, please remember this. Your appointment is at this time at this place. So why the fuck am I getting these text messages? <laughs> If I'm not, if I don't have an appointment. So I hand her the phone. I'm like, look at this. I have texts. She goes, all right, I'm going to talk to my manager. Apparently, she didn't show the manager my phone and all the fucking text messages. The manager comes out and is like, uh, yeah, you're not, in our, you're, not in our, you're not in our system. Are you sure you're not scheduled at another facility? I think you're, you're probably scheduled at another facility. I was like, did you not read the text messages? Because they have your address, which I'm currently at right now with this time and this date and this number and blah, blah, blah. I lost my shit. So they didn't have me scheduled. They just rushed me in. They were like, all right, well, we have a five-minute opening. Luckily, this only takes five minutes. So go in. Great. There was this tall Norwegian Swedish woman speaking in a very funny accent, telling me what, where to go, what to do. <laughs> Taller than me. And uh, like nice, but I couldn't tell if it was like the fake nice because she's like Norwegian or Swedish. Like I, I can recognize American fake nice. I can't recognize Scandinavian fake nice. So she tells me what to do. She's like, you're going to hear 
instructions on how to breathe, breathing instructions. I was like, I don't think I need breathing instructions, but all right. So I lay down, stick my feet through the open ring there, and it kind of slowly puts me in. And then uh, a recording comes on telling me how to breathe. And so uh, I'm like trying to keep up with the recording and it's going. I'm like, I think I'm definitely fucking this up. Like breathe in and then slowly breathe out. And like as I'm doing that, it's like, okay, now breathe in and hold your breath. And I'm like, well, like <laughs> it's like it wasn't this. You're supposed to calm yourself. Like they tell you before you go in, no caffeine, no exercise. Like you need to be calm. And that they tell me to be calm. And then they give me the fucking runaround about my appointment and my schedule so that my heart rate is trotter roof. And it's like, I might as well have done caffeine while running on the treadmill before coming here. And then now the breathing instructions are stressing me out. And like, they're, I'm not, I can't sync up with the fucking breathing instructions. So I'm now breathing fast and heavy. Ah, absolute fiasco debacle. Um, but yeah, five minutes. I, I don't have no clue what the results are going to be or what it is. My follow-up appointments like next week. So I might have Tokatsubu, which is great. Broken heart syndrome. So I say that say this. When I order the goddamn wings and I go to pick it up, uh, oh, so <laughs> still on Thursday. I'm fired up. I literally, this appointment was like uh, by my ex-wife's place, three and a half miles away. The entire drive home, which is like 20 minutes, I am fucking max volume inside my car screaming spit i needed wipers on the inside of my windshield because i was spitting like could not believe the the amount of uh bullshit that i had to go through to get this done <laughs> get to chipotle and i'm like fuck it i'm just like i need a, a big ass burrito to like help s settle me down which is uh probably not the way you should go about handling your emotions and uh <laughs> go in it's not crowded. There's not a line. I go up and I, I'll never understand people at a place where you need to order something, not introduce, like this happened at the fucking steakhouse with the awkward waitress. And it's happening again at the Chipotle and it happened again at the pizza place. You need to ask me what I want. Introduce yourself or say, welcome and say, what do you have? What do you want? Don't just stand there and look at me. It's, it's, it's bonkers. It's bonkers. Customer service, that like, and I've said this before. First to go when the robots are full, full steam ahead. When the robots are like uh, conscious and and AIs like at that point where we get cyborgs, androids, robots, first to go customer service for sure. This woman's and this woman is like middle aged, so it might have been first day on the job. It's like maybe she like didn't think she would be here at that age, and I get it. I understand it. I'll probably be there in two months you know, but just standing there and looking at me and I'm just like, usually you say, you know, and she's like, well, like give me the face and like, well, like, well, you know, and I'm, I'm just like, usually you say like, da, 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 like, da, da, would you like this? This is whatever. Same thing happened to this goddamn pizza place. Go to pick it up. This guy who could not have looked more angry and sad is just standing there looking at me. And he just starts putting stuff in front of me. You know, I'm saying, hey, I'm here to pick up an order. He goes, what's the name of the order? I say, Neil Lynch. And then he just starts putting stuff in front of me. And you would think that, like, when you are putting stuff in front of a person, you would announce it. Just to confirm, just to make sure, like, hey, 
Napolitana, the works. Napolitana, cheese. Siciliana, works. Siciliana, cheese. You would think that would happen. This guy puts two pies in front of me, and he's got all the other shit like back behind the counter, below the counter, not on the counter. And then he just says to me, you going to get that? Like a, it's like, like a phone's ringing. Like, there's no phone ringing. You're going to get that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll remove the two pizza pies from the counter so you can put the other. Like, it's not like there's limited height space on this counter. Like, there's plenty of space vertically. And so he's going to get that? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then uh, we gather all the stuff. He doesn't tell me what anything is. And then he just stands there. And I'm like, so... Um, I you charged the card, right? I gave you the card, right? When I ordered, because when I ordered, he was like, um, so flustered and frustrated because I had put up, I had given him a fair a fair amount of notice. Like the Monday, they were closed on Monday, but I reached out on like Yelp and on their Facebook page and I was like, hey, I have a big order on Saturday. I'm hoping, hoping to pick up. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm not entirely sure. He gave me zero help. And so on the fly, when I'm on the phone with him on Tuesday, when he was open, because he's like, please give me a call ASAP. And I'm like, oh, geez, like maybe he has a lot of orders on Saturday and I should really get on top of it. So when I called him on Tuesday, I was like, all right, uh, you know, there's 12 guys. We're pretty big guys for a fantasy football draft. You know, I think I think I want to do five pizzas. I think I want to do like 100 wings or two orders of wings. You know, how many how many wings come in order? Because their menu fucking sucks. Right. It's just like jumbo chicken wings, nine bucks. And I'm like, why, why, do, why do restaurants do that? Just tell me how many wings there are. They're trying to hoodwink us with the fucking wings. So he's like, yeah, 10 wings. And I'm like, all right. Uh, so I guess, I don't know, everyone, every guy will have six to 10 wings. So I guess you do the higher number, 100 wings. And he's like, yeah. So what flavors? And I'm like, going through and I kind of changed my mind. I'm like, well, maybe not everyone would want just buffalo and mild maybe the one hot maybe the one barbecue maybe the one butter garlic. i asked him like is what else is popular is like butter garlic like he couldn't have been less enthusiastic about this massive order i'm putting together and then he has the balls to say uh so you're gonna tip the kitchen and i'm like i i mean i i kind of have to now you've been a dick about it like it'd be ruthless for me to say no i don't want you to like uh jizz in my food you know like, <laughs> like I can't go through another stomach issue. So uh, I placed, so that was the Tuesday phone call. And then when I'm there on uh, Saturday picking it up and I'm taking it away, I'm like, so you charge the card? He's like, yep. And I'm like, all right, check you later. Like, <laughs> it's just like, normally it'd be like, hey, thank you so much for supporting our business. We really appreciate it. We also appreciate the tip that like, when I told him the tip, I tipped 10% cause I was like, 25%. All right. The fucking order for five pizza pies and 10 orders of wings was $291. $291. I tipped 10%. I tipped 29 bucks. Is that not enough? I I don't know. Like, because from his reaction, you would have thought I just like somehow spit through the phone onto his eyeball. So I like, uh, so on Saturday, I'm like, I grabbed the food and he, and he finally was like, hey, thanks a lot, guys. And I was just like, I don't, I don't think you are. I, this is not, I don't think this is gratitude you're showing me. So $320 on five pizza, pizza pies and 100 wings. And uh, 
they have like 18 different menus. So I can't verify how much the friggin' food actually costs because there's literally three or four different menus and they all have three or four different prices for everything. Like it, it, Yelp has one, Facebook has one, uh, Slice Life, the another like Z menu, all these other friggin' places. It's like they're all over the place and I have no idea which one is current. And so I, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to look at the one with the highest prices because I assume with inflation, that's got to be what it is now. And so I look at the pizza prize and I'm like, all right, it's not that much more expensive, like maybe five bucks more expensive, six bucks. You know, it sucks, but it's not, at least it's not 30 or 35, something outrageous. And uh, originally, and one of the menus, which could not have been that old, maybe it's pre-pandemic, was like nine eighty five for jumbo chicken wings for one order. And I'm like, if, so if it's 10 bucks per order and I did 10, that should be a hundred, not like whatever the fuck it is that he gave to me. I look at the, and then I'm like, all right, I think this is the more current menu. I look at the pizza pies. I'm like, all right, more expensive. This is probably current menu. I look down at jumbo chicken wings. Market price. Market price. These motherfuckers are treating chicken wings like lobster. Are you for real? Are you for real? You legitimately, with a straight face, put market price next to jumbo chicken wings on a friggin' pizza menu pizza place we're not talking about like uh ruth's chris or you know uh some other steakhouse we're talking about a pizza place literally a hole in the wall pizza place seats maybe five people two workers total market price chicken wings i did the math and i guess it comes out right because i did the math very wrong the first time and i was like these chicken wings are 34 dollars in order <laughs> No, it's like seventeen to eighteen dollars for ten Jumbo wings. Which, you know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts last fall, my ordeal trying to find some goddamn reasonably priced good chicken wings in this area to get for football Sunday, not possible. They're all eighteen, nineteen, twenty dollars for ten wings. But yet you can get a rotisserie chicken <laughs> for like five bucks. Something's not adding up here. So yeah, uh, that guy was such an asshole. And uh, if we do go back there next year, probably not going back there. So, and it was so funny because uh, like even the buddy who came with me to help out to carry some stuff, he was like, yeah, that guy was such a dick. And then we're driving back and it takes us back kind of another way. And we go by a little league field and sure enough, when you believe it, this motherfucker sponsored the little league field and sponsored like the little league. And it's like, is it just cause we're out of towners? That has to be it. Right. And I was talking to my, my buddy and I was like, listen, I lived, my family lived in an area where they treat tourists like, uh, they're scum of the earth, the Jersey shore, specifically Manasquan, um, which we're not even from Manasquan. That's what's so, we weren't born and raised in Manasquan. So that's what's so wild is like now we're going to act like we're these native Manasquaners who are going to treat anyone outside of Manasquan as, uh, you know, uh, shitbags. They call anyone outside of the Jersey Shore Bennies, Bayonne, Elizabeth, Newark, New York. And it's like, I guess. And so even though my family lives there, I got a, a share in a rental a shore house rental every year for like almost a decade, probably. In Manasquan, and then they look at me as if I'm a Benny, and I'm like, no, my parents actually live like right down the street. So I, what I'm saying is, hey, let's bridge the gap, huh? 
let's reach across the aisle and not treat everyone. <laughs> let's just treat people like, like what? Why? Oh boy. So that's my, my hunch on that dude was like, I am just going to like, these people are not from the area. I don't know their name. I don't know their number. And, uh, I'm just going to treat them like absolute garbage. So kudos. You made me feel like, uh, Barsura, straight trash, homie. So, uh, draft started around two, <laughs> and these pizzas were way more than I ever expected. So many friggin' toppings, so thick the crust, the bread, the dough was so thick that uh, no one even came close to eating what I thought they would to the average. Like, we had, um, there was what, five, 10 boxes of wings like uh containers of wings i think maybe three or four got finished and then like the pizza pies there was like two full pizza pies left two and a half pizza pies left so we ate maybe half the pizza and less than half of the the wings i I was kind of like jesus christ i gotta like reevaluate my friends here i really thought we would go to town but it's like the fact that they had this massive breakfast, breakfast casserole, had a huge dinner last night. And then uh, my buddy, who I drove and went to Top Golf with, he ends up getting three massive slabs of brisket that we're supposed to eat in like four hours. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. <sighs> so, yeah, I guess it makes sense that no one ate a lot. But so I had to bring all that pizza home. And it's like, I've, that, I've, that's all I've had since Sunday. It's now Tuesday night going on Wednesday. I still have half a pizza left. <laughs> Literally, I, I don't eat breakfast because I'm fat. And so I just have pizza for lunch, pizza for dinner, pizza all the time. When pizza's in the morning, it's a pizza, man, man. So yeah, draft uh, not very pleasurable for me considering I, dr- I traded away my second and fourth round picks and my eighth round picks. So it was like my team is just... Uh, I guess I'm going for the first overall pick next year is what we're going for. It's like we're full on tank season for uh, my team. But uh, so the draft lasted like four hours, which uh, people were not happy about. But it's it's like no matter how many mock drafts you friggin do, then it's like it's like uh, what they say about boxing. Like you can you can train your whole life. You can train, 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 but as soon, but then you get punched in the face in the ring and everything changes. And I think that's what happens with this fucking fantasy football draft because I did a ton of mock drafts and I get in there and it's like, well, I, that, I did not expect that. It's like somehow that slipped through the cracks in the mock draft and the fact that we have keepers. So there's like keepers out the ass. Everyone has a keep, two keepers. So that's what, 28 guys off the friggin' board right at the start minus three top round draft picks so like i was just screwed from the get-go from the jump um so i i fully expect to go oh and 17 oh and 13 whatever it is because i'm not making the playoffs um saquon barkley Brees hall tua talawaria daniel jones <laughs> christian kirk was my keeper donovan peoples jones Gabe Davis, who completely fucked me last year. Uh, yeah, it's just a mess. It's just awful. Um, and then we had a Porco tournament. And uh, you, you, I lasted. I only did one buy-in this time. 
but I lasted until, you know, it was what, 14, there are 12 guys to 11 guys. I was down, I made it to the final five. No, one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe the last six or seven. Um, really still kicking myself about the last hand that I had because I should have gone all in on a Jack King suited and then the guy raised $15. <laughs> and I was like, what do you have? Because we bet like such small chump change, like a dollar, $5, $10. So $15 is like, whoa, what do you got going on over there? And of course it was, uh, it would have been a, um, not a royal flush, but a straight flush. So what do you do? Lost all my money, <laughs> all the, the winnings I had and then some. And uh, yeah, so la that the tourney lasted until about 10 p.m. We went down, played some pool, and then some shuffleboard until three in the morning. Good God. The shuffleboard, we ended up playing these guys that had been on the board, the table for like pretty much the entire night. So automatically we're at a disadvantage because like I haven't played shuffleboard in maybe ever, once before. And literally the shots that they were pulling off were just uh, belong on the sports center top 10, essentially. There were plenty of times where it's like, he he tosses, he lands on a 10. I toss, knock him off the board, get the 10. He misses, I shoot, I block him. He's it's but it's slightly askew. He somehow knocks both of them. It was like a 7-10 split. He knocks both of them off and lands on a 10 and wins on the final throw. Goes ape. And I'm just like, oh, I don't just believe what I just saw. There was like two or three other shots like that where it's just like, what the how? Okay, sure. The shuffleboard gods, not a fan of mine. And then I made the mistake of smoking a ciggy <laughs> before bed, which is like not great, you know. Uh, and uh, and I, and I took my first ever overnight uh, defecation, <laughs> first time ever. I had to wake up from sleep. I've woken up before and had to go number one, but waking up from sleep to go number two—that's a new one for me. So. Thank you, Tabaki and Nicotine, for helping me through that. Uh, yeah, so that's life. Yet again, I, I'm not going to be able to talk about all the TV shows and movies I watched. I guess we talk Mets and Giants. Um, uh, let's see here. Yeah, so let's talk Mets. They, uh, they made the announcement that Doc Gooden, Dwight Gooden, and Daryl Strawberry are having their numbers retired in a ceremony next year. Separate ceremonies. Um... Uh, a lot of people are saying long overdue. I agree. You know, I think if you take a look around City Field or even Shea Stadium, years and years and years after they played, you see, you still see a bunch of Gooden jerseys. You see Hernandez jerseys. His number got retired. And you see Strawberry jerseys. Those are the three jerseys you see the most of at the stadium. So why haven't six? Why hasn't sixteen or eighteen been retired yet? Seems like a no brainer. So there's like two um, responses to it, which is long overdue. And that's, this is the difference between the Cohen own ownership and the Wilpon ownership. Wilpons were, wouldn't acknowledge uh, the successful past players, whereas Cohen is like, and then uh, Cohen is, and then people are saying Cohen's going overboard, and he's retiring too many numbers too quickly all at once. And it's like, well, he's trying to make up for lost time. And like, what, wh why, why delay it? Like, we all know it should have happened. It's long overdue, so let's just do it. And get it done. It's not like we're going to retire a number every friggin' year. I'm sure there's a maybe a couple more that we could consider, but it's like 
those were the big three, right? Hernandez, Gooden, Strawberry. So uh, I, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't understand like, oh, well, the de, values when we, when he does it so much and so often devalues the ceremony and the experience and the meaning of it. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's to honor the player. Like, and, and, you know, even when they retire a number, they can still unretire it after a certain time gap. Right. Like I've seen it where there are two people that wear the, the retired number. Um, cause you just run out of numbers. Like it's eventually going to happen. So, um, but it's just like when they're alive, it's nice to just honor them and celebrate them. So I'm, I'm all for it. And I'm glad they're, they'll be able to see it. You know, KFC on, on uh, Barstool Sports, We Gotta Believe, Mets podcast, was saying that, like, we shouldn't honor them because they had more success with the Yankees. Like, Doc threw a no-hitter and Daryl, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what? Like, they both, okay, sure. He, that dude fucking hates the Yankees so goddamn much. It's, he's not so much a Mets fan as he is a Yankees hater way more of a Yankees hater than a Mets fan and uh that's why it's kind of hard to, to listen to him talk Mets a lot of times because it always like devolves into the Yankees and what the Yankees are doing and what Yankees fans are saying to him it's like I don't give a shit dude I care about the Mets you know it's like I I, I made the point like okay what is the point of getting into an argument with a Yankees fan? Because they're just going to say 27 rings over and over again. It doesn't matter how long it's been since they've won a friggin' World Series, 14 years and counting. Uh, like, they're just going to bring up 27 rings. It's just, it's like arguing with a wall. So, you know, I, I, uh, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. You know, and I think, it, it, like I said, it's, it's not going to be an annual thing. It's going to be like, these are the ones that should have happened already. So let's just, let's cross it off the list. Let's get it done. Next item of discussion, Pete Alonzo contract extension, question mark, or trade in the offseason. So I guess Bob Nightingale, who I still don't think is a real person, uh, suggested, said that reports are Pete Alonzo will be traded in the, in the offseason. It's like, no one else is saying that. Who's your source? Like, we have Mets beat reporters that have probably closer, better sources than you. So take that with a friggin' grain of salt. But of course, everyone overreacts. And uh, it's most of the people that are bored or don't do anything at work, I assume, because they just like ran with it. And we're like, it's because uh, he's too goofy and he's not a leader. And he tries to act confident and cocky, but he's a dork. And he's toxic for the clubhouse. And Lindor doesn't like him. And it's like, oh, that's a new one. That's interesting. It's like, well, Lindor didn't like McNeil, but yet we signed him to a contract, um, which I, I, I must have missed that. I didn't realize we signed him to a contract for the season. So uh, good to know that McNeil is uh, in, our, in, in the mix for the next few years. Uh, so it, I don't see them trading Alonzo. I wouldn't be completely shocked. I would be disappointed. I would be saddened. Um, I wouldn't be decimated. I personally would love to see him be a Met for the rest of his career and to be a lifelong Met. I think that would be amazing. So, yeah, I just, huh. Like, I prefer him to be in a Mets uniform for the rest of his uh, playing days. So I'm going to go with contract extension. But what would that contract extension look like? So 
Uh, Tim Britton of the of the Athletic put together some comps. Um, I guess last year he estimated that an extension for Alonzo would be eight years, one hundred sixty million, um, which is twenty per annual uh, AAV annual va- annual average value average annual value AAV with a mutual option or opt out after six years. Uh, and 108 million in the spring of 2023, he estimated nine years, 207 million. So the first of the comps, he did the th- three comps. The first of the comps was uh, Matt Olson, Atlanta Braves first baseman. Of course, Atlanta traded for Matt Olson and then extended him eight years, 168 million uh, ahead of last season. Um, but the two have pretty similar value over the f- on the field. Um, Olsen's about nine months older and has one year of service ahead of Alonzo. Um, and he showed like their, their, uh, the stats comparing them and I mean, they are almost identical. I mean, Olsen's got like a 5.1 war average and I think Alonzo's 3.7. And the estimates are that they would be similar over the next five, 10 years or whatever. So if that's the case, if they want to do a deal comparable to Matt Olson, it would be seven years, $182 million. Uh, oh, sorry. It would be the eight years, $168 million, um, which would be, oh man, I can't do, I can't do math anymore, dude. And you know, that's on me. I apologize. 21 million per year. So slightly higher than uh, what the estimate was last year. But on par with, I guess, spring, or less than what he would, what the estimate was in the spring, and then Chris Bryant was the next compare comparison. Seven years, one hundred eighty-two million dollars in free agency, um, but Bryant's production falls short of what Alonzo's was. Bryant was the twenty sixteen NL MVP, earned twenty six million dollars per season for the Rockies, but uh, if you look at the comps. It looks like Alonzo is outperforming Chris Bryant. Um, so we would add an extra $2 million per season on, uh, and plop it on top of the $22 million slated to earn next year. And you've got an eight-year deal worth $20, $218 million. Again, none of this sounds completely out of hand or like not fathomable in my mind, considering we gave $43 million a year to two over the hill players that play once every five days. Okay, if we're willing to do that, we're willing to do this. That would be twenty-seven million dollars uh, a year. Uh, and then Paul Goldschmidt signed a five-year, one hundred thirty million dollars contract with the Cardinals ahead of the twenty nineteen season. Goldschmidt is uh, well, somewhat comparable to Alonzo. Has been performing way better. Um, but if you were to factor in inflation, that would mean at least an extra ten million dollars now, making uh, the Goldschmidt contract at about valued at $28 million per season in today's money. So um, Alonzo is scheduled to make, probably going to make $22 million in arbitration in 2024. Um, but I know that there's been some concerns about signing Alonzo to a long-term contract. So like eight and nine years feels like it's out of the question. And knowing that um, Cohen is more of a short-term push guy you know you've seen it with Scherzer and Verlander like we're just giving two years and excessive AAV they might do that with Alonzo so um 
five years, $135 million, or six years, $152 million. Um, let's do that math really quick. $27 million or $25 million. So 25 to $27 million a year for five or six years. And he Cohen might even go higher uh, annual value to get shorter length contract, which makes sense, you know? You're going to see, like, uh, like it's so weird that these players want these long contracts when it's like everyone knows that they're not going to play 10 years on, like, on that contract. Um, so, yeah, I, I say pay the man, you know. Um, it's hard to find a guy that can hit 40-plus home runs a year, give you 100 RBIs a year, not be a complete liability at first base, actually be pretty decent at first base. Um, you know, the only thing that you might hold you back is the batting average, maybe higher than normal strikeouts, but you know, uh, is he going to win you games? He has in the past. Um, you know, he came up in a clutch spot tonight and didn't, didn't come through. He's done, but that happens. I don't know. Same with Lindor. It's like we're paying Lindor a ton of money, and he is like legitimately a top five player in the National League, or at least a top three shortstop, maybe even the best shortstop offensively and defensively, and, but didn't make the all-star team and has a slightly below average batting average, and people are like, eh, eh. So I think, you know, we know the core four, right? McNeil, Nimmo, Alonzo, Lindor. And now you just got to figure out what the other pieces are. If you could just compliment them just with average players, that's what's so bananas. If we can just find average players to play around those four, we'll win games. So Carlos Carrasco is uh his ERA is ballooned to 6.8. Since the All-Star break, his ERA is 10.24, the highest among pitchers with at least seven second half starts. And uh it makes people say. What the fuck is happening? Why is he still going out there? It's like, I know, like, some people think we're completely trying to tank. I don't think that was really the case. I think that what's weird is they've been competitive. Like, there's some games where they're just not competitive. Mostly the games that Carlos Carrasco starts. Like, the one game, uh, he gives up five runs in, like, the first inning or two. And we're down 5 nothing in the hole. And it's like, well, this game's over. The bullpen then holds steady for like seven innings and we lose 5-3. If we just had a quality starter, like a just someone better than Carlos Carrasco, maybe we would have won the game. Who knows how many games we would have won if Carlos Carrasco is not on the friggin' bump. So it's like, I understand we're, I don't know that we, anyone's trying to tank because I don't know what that does. Like, I'm pretty sure all the top draft picks went out the window when we exceeded the luxury tax, I think, but maybe I'm wrong. So I don't see like let's just try and win some ball games and and surprise some people. So uh, I really wish they would. It, but it just it's like even if we're not gonna make the playoffs, can you just make the games bearable? And I think that's not happening with Carlos Carrasco <laughs> towing the rubber. So like let's look at some other options, please. One of the options is Mike Vassell, who uh, I mentioned is one of the potential September call ups. So I think September is gonna be a whole. September is gonna be a fun month. August, not so much. It's been pretty horrific, nightmarish, if you will. September is going to be fun, I think. Going to have a lot of call-ups, and I think one of them is going to be Mike Vassell. Uh, 
Eighth round draft pick in 2021. Uh, rates as uh, MLB Pipeline's number nine prospect in the Mets system. Highest rank of any pitcher in our system. One of only two pitchers among the Mets' top 30 prospects, currently at AAA Syracuse. He uh, he initially struggled, but then he took a no-hitter into the ninth, as we mentioned before, producing a 1.75 ERA over his past four starts. He's only 23 years of age and has college experience. So um, why not call him up? And I'm all for it. Justin Jarvis is the next one. Uh, Jarvis, not at the same level as Vassal, but is still ranked 15th on the pipelines list. Um, we acquired him from the Brewers for last month for Mark Hanna. Uh, he will be Rule 5 eligible this winter, meaning the Mets must add him to the 40-man roster or risk exposing him to other teams. So uh, that seems like a surefire thing. Like you're not going to trade for a guy that you don't ever see at the major league level and then lose him. That's kind of wild. So uh, the problem is he has a, like a near 8 ERA <laughs> since arriving at AAA. Uh, any honest to God, anything's got to be better than Carrasco. Joey Lucchesi, which I don't understand why we have not gone with Lucchesi over Carrasco. It seems kind of uh, bizarre in my mind. Um, he made a successful spot start recently. Uh, you know, hasn't been that great, but uh, he's arbitration eligible over the winter after making $1.15 million this year. Um so that could, if you call him up and give him some starts, that could ultimately either increase his value or decrease his value. At least you can see, get a better idea of his value. And then Jose Buto. Butto? Buto? He was once a top three prospect. Um, he struggled at both MLB and AAA levels, uh, but he made uh, a major league spot appearance. Wasn't particularly effective. So it doesn't look like he's the most likely. So... Uh, I would think, honestly, I, I see no issue with doing at least Jarvis and Lucchesi, but I would be very interested to see Mike Vassell. So hopefully um, once September 1 rolls around, I think that's the date that they can start calling these mofos up and just get them in the mix and then see what we got. But please, no more Carrasco. <laughs> so that's the Mets. Let's talk Giants. Mm. My, my, my been a couple weeks since we talked Giants, and a lot has happened. We had the, the preseason game against the Panthers in which Jalen Hyatt looked uh, like a stud. Dropped a pass, very next play, catches a long bomb from Terod Taylor for the touchdown on a route where he completely juked the safety and uh, the nearest defender to him when he caught the pass, literally had to wait for the pass to come down. Like it was just standing there like a uh, in a punt return situation, like about to fair catch a pass from Tarod Taylor, who threw like a Jeff Blake rainbow to him. The nearest defender was like 20 yards away, 15 yards away, like just blew past everyone. Uh, so uh, that was the Jalen Hyatt game where it was like, okay, now we know like all the hype, that we've been talking about in training camp, like it's it's probably real. Like we've got we got a steal, and he's not even our wide receiver one, two, three, or even maybe four. You know, or could could be four, I guess. Like the fact that we can that we have him as our number four or five, and I mean that we got to see the the starting offense in that on the first drive in that Panthers game and it was like fucking clockwork 
just machine, a well-oiled machine. And we got to see Darren Waller. Mwah! What an addition. If he can, and I know I keep saying it, but goddamn, if he can just stay healthy for like 12 to 13 of the 17 games, like only miss a couple games and hopefully they're not back to back, then we're in a good spot, dude. Because, I mean, uh, Daniel Jones loves this dude. I love this dude. I think most Giants fans love this dude. He's just the size, the ability, the catching, the radius, like everything. It's just, it's just automatic. That, I mean, that first drive was like, what, eight plays? I think we did Waller like four or five, maybe six times. <laughs> and, uh, and like, you just can't defend him. You can't defend him. And uh, Daniel looked like uh, on top of the world. He just looked incredible. So very excited about the Giants offense. And then um, right before the Jets game, we had some concerns, you know, about the inside linebacker position. I guess Darian Beaver's not really coming around to what we thought we'd be. We all thought he's going to start. And Michael McFadden will we'll get in the mix here and there. Giants pull the trigger on a trade, and they acquire a guy that we thought, that I thought the Giants might draft in the 2020 drafts in the first, with their first pick. Remember, it was between Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, and Andrew Thomas, and we went with Andrew Thomas. Looking back, smart decision. But we end up getting Isaiah Simmons in a trade for a seventh rounder next year. Unreal that we got this guy. And, uh, you know, I guess on paper, I don't know. I just, on paper, when I look at his stats on like pro football reference, it's like, wow, the last two years, he's been a tackling machine. He's had like 90 to 100 tackles each of the last two seasons. Couple forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, interceptions, sacks—like not high numbers in those categories. But he's he's registering something more than we were able to register on defense last year. So I'm very excited about Isaiah Simmons, and um, you know the fact that I guess he was lining up a lot of slot cornerback last year for the Cardinals was just kind of weird. You know, he's 6'3", 6'4", 220, so kind of a tall, lanky dude, a lot of range, quick guy. Um, so he's not like your traditional inside linebacker. But, I mean, could you think of a better player for Wink Martindale's system? Wink Martindale, like, loves the fluidity and versatility of his players. It, the scheme emphasizes that and rewards that. Guys that can play multiple positions. That's why you have a lot of guys that are listed as, like, db instead of corner or safety because it's like they can play cornerback they can play slot outside in the safety in the box this guy can play safety cornerback linebacker inside outside he can rush the quarterback he can cover guys maybe not so great in the run game but better than what we have or he'll make up for in the passing game and you know he has a pretty decent dude next to him in bobby okereke so I think that duo is going to be uh, just amazing for this defense. And we've now gone from like a top 10 defense potentially to like we could be a top five defense. And I can hear you laughing to the, to the screen. It's funny. It's fine. I can hear you, I can hear you laughing. It's fine. We'll see. Uh, so how are we going to use them? Well, I, I gave you a little, a little glimpse. Um, it's it's a low risk high reward move too because it's a seventh rounder. 
how often do seven, seventh rounders pan out? Not that often, especially with the Giants. Although Jordan Riley, seventh rounder, I think he's a seventh rounder from this past year's draft, is like going to make the team and going to be a pretty solid contributor. He did. He played so well in the preseason, which is great because it we we went from like little to no depth on the defensive line to one of the deepest best defensive line we already have the best defensive starting defensive line in leonard williams and uh dexter lawrence and now you add in nacho a sean and now jordan riley and dj davidson who's uh, coming back off an of injury um and it's like all right let's go uh four three nine forty yard dash of the 2020 combine so Wink Martindale prides himself in deploying a positionless de- defense, and Simmons is a positionless player. It's the, it gives him his best chance to succeed. He played roughly 55% of his snaps in his first two seasons as an off-ball linebacker with about 23% of snaps on the defensive line, 18% of snaps at slot corner. But his slot usage, as I mentioned, jumped to 46% last season with 33% of his snaps at off-ball, 12% uh, on the defensive line. So... I guess Simmons told the new coaching staff in Arizona because there's been a lot of change and turnover in Arizona. New coach, new management. Um, they're basically essentially cleaning house, only holding on to really core, critical, essential personnel. Uh, just trying to mold the team in their own image, I guess. Um, he said that he didn't, he told Arizona he didn't want to play linebacker and was shifted to deep safety. And, uh, you know, early returns weren't promising. So, Dayball said that he wouldn't commit to a position for Simmons when uh, when asked about it after the trade, um, but said that he has some multiple role potential. And uh, Martindale is has a reputation for using hybrid linebacker safeties on passing down. So I think he'll uh, provides uh, an immense boost on passing downs. Um, I I would be like third downs like good luck converting third downs. <laughs> I'm passing, you know, and third and longs, like good luck. <laughs> you know, I think the only thing that is still going to be a bugaboo for the defense is, is the run defense, specifically when Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams aren't in the game. Uh, but now you've added, uh, like I said, Nacho, Sean, Jordan Riley to provide some depth along defensive lines so that plugs up the middle. You then have uh, Bobby O'Karake who can help out with the run defense and, uh, you know, um, you know, We'll see how Simmons does with the run, but uh, we are we got a taste. A lot of people were wondering if he was going to suit up against the Jets because it was it was so close to the Jets game that the trade happened, and he he did. You know, I didn't get to freaking watch it because the the internet went out on the TV at the house where we were staying for the fantasy football draft, so I didn't get to watch a lot of it. But I did get to see some highlights on Twitter and whatnot, and like him coming off the edge. No, nah, no shot. Like I think it was a third down where he just missed getting to Rodgers and Rodgers had to try and escape and got pressured and had to throw it away. So, uh, yeah, I think that's huge. And I, I mean, you know, it's disgruntled player in a place that was, uh, they're not expected to contend in Arizona. Um, you know, the guys that drafted him, that signed him, that brought him in, that tried to, to bring him up and, and develop him are gone. So it's like, and the Giants are an up-and-coming team, playoff team, with coach of the year, with a defensive coordinator who's uh, fucking tenacious and intense and and could probably best utilize them. So I think that does wonders for a player's attitude. And so it's like, even though he told them he didn't want to play linebacker, it's like, 
Wink can say to him, hey, you're not a linebacker. You're not a safety. You're not a corner. You're a defender. You're just a defensive player, and we're gonna like we're gonna set you free, <laughs> you know. Um, so I don't know if I could be any happier about the Isaiah Simmons trade. I mean, that's huge, but it's also uh, gives you an idea of just how far off, um, or how not little they thought, but how unconfident they were in Darian Beavers and Michael McFadden. We'll get to that in a little bit when we talk about the 53 man roster. His roster cuts were today, baby. Uh, really quick, a breakdown of the receivers for Daniel Jones, 180 complete completions during 11-11 periods during training camp. Darren Waller, no surprise there, 40 catches. Darius Slayton was next with 27. Saquon Barkley, 23. Paris Campbell, 20. Hodgins, 17. Jalen Hyatt, 10. Belly, 10. Beasley, 9. Shepard, 6. Brita, 5. Crowder, 4. Brightwell, 2. Um, and judging by the cuts, the wave, wave, players uh terminated contracts and the and the 53 man roster which is about is not it's like it's 53 men but it's not really final final i know we're like about a week away from opening day but like there's still some stuff that could go down and happen so uh interesting to see i guess it's not that interesting that Parrish Campbell would be below Darius Slayton and Barkley because you would think like, okay, Waller seems like the number one target, um, but you would think Paris Campbell would be a number two. But I think that's more of a, a, just a comfort level with Slayton. Like Waller is like inevitable. Like you cannot avoid him. <laughs> He's just like, why wouldn't I throw him? And then, but Slayton is interesting because like Slayton's story is so impressive. Like the fact that this dude was about to get cut, took a pay cut to stay on the team, didn't, was healthy scratches. You know, we've talked about this before, but for him to go from that low to now being possibly the wide receiver two on this team is just, I mean, that's what we thought all along is like, he's not necessarily a wide receiver one, but he's like one of the best wide receiver twos. And I think he's going to show that this year. So um, I, I love it. I love the fact that we didn't go after a dedicated, like we didn't go after DeAndre Hopkins, which would have might've limited us in terms of bringing in other players. And now we have one, two, three, four wide receivers that uh, you can't ignore. You know, you can't just say, Oh, we'll double up this one and leave this one open. Like you have to address all four of those guys. And one of those four is going to be open every damn play. Uh, so let's get to the Giants roster. The 53-man roster cuts happened uh, by 4 p.m. on Tuesday, August 29th. And uh, there's still some stuff that could happen, but it looks like uh, these are, it's fairly set. I think there's probably one or two moves they could probably still make, but it's fairly set. Um, the players that were waived, so these are players that have less than four years of service on the team. Tommy DeVito, which everyone kind of expected, even though he played well above his pay grade in preseason really um, was uh, a beacon of light, if you will. Like I think uh, he surpassed expectations to the point where people were saying that he should be the backup quarterback to Daniel Jones and we should cut Terod Taylor. Well, to that I say, Terod Taylor has been in the league since what, 2015? It's his eighth or ninth season. I don't know that he's necessarily th thought it was a battle and that he really needed to, to go all out in preseason when it's like he it's pretty much in the bag for him. So I, I would have been shocked if they cut to Rod Taylor and kept Tommy DeVito. 
Um, I still think Terod Taylor is a, a more than adequate backup, uh, way better than Mike Glennon, Jake Fromm, any of those dudes. Jay Sean Corbin was a tough one, a tough cut, a tough wave, sorry, uh, waved. I think a lot of he had that really impressive rushing touchdown against the Panthers, I believe, and the Jets. So he seemed to be one of the more productive running backs in preseason. And I think a lot of people thought that he would make it over like Gary Brightwell. Um, but I don't think Corbin has a ton of special teams experience or was going to be used in special teams. So that kind of makes sense. Khalil Pimpleton, which I didn't see any of in the preseason, you know, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch all four quarters of all three preseason games, but it seems like he was the odd man out. And then tight end Ryan Jones, who I saw none of, um, tackled Tyree Phillips was waived, which is interesting because he got a bunch of starts last year when Evan Neal went down, uh, swing tackle. I thought he did okay. And, um, instead the team keeps Matt Pert, who we haven't seen a lot of. You know, the fact that Tyree Phillips started over him last year and Pert, Pert's been hurt, I think that led a lot of people to believe that Tyree was going to be the one that they kept and Pert would be the odd man out. And it turns out Tyree is the one that uh, is waived. Ryder Anderson, Kobe Smith, defensive tackles, defensive end, Habakuk Baldonado. And then uh, linebackers, cornerback uh, Deontay Johnson. Oh, sorry. Cornerback uh, Jemin, Jamon Green, safety Alex Cook, long snapper Cameron Lyons. All makes sense. Linebacker Deontay Johnson, Ray Wilborn, which I didn't even, I don't remember Ray Wilborn at all. And then these two linebackers got waved. Timon Fox, Darian Biebers. Whoa. Those are probably the two most surprising waved players. Uh, I mean, I think everyone thought that Darian Beavers, after last year's performance in the preseason and training camp, would be the guy to start uh, uh, next to Bobby Okereke. And that we knew that it would be a battle with Micah McFadden, but that Beavers would ultimately win out. But I guess that ACL injury was really bad, and he's just not the same. He's lost a step. Kind of the same thing that happened with Ryan Connolly. It's so, it's so fucking sad and unfortunate, but yeah, that's... Uh, that's how it goes sometimes. So I, he's waived. So we'll get to what that means in a second because it doesn't necessarily mean that the that all is lost and that he'll we'll never see him in a Giants uniform again. Timon Fox is also surprising. It's like what the? But this is a guy who started a bunch of games last year and played well, as well as a backup replacement or a guy that was was undrafted can play, and produce. So that one's really interesting as well because I think. Uh, you know, we'll get to it in a second, but like the outside linebacker group room, scant. Not a lot of bodies in that room now. And that's because there are some contracts that were terminated. And that means that uh, these are vested veterans. They're uh, players with at least four years of or more of uh, service time, playing time. And the first of which is, uh, I guess, not so surprising, but given the fact that we did wave Timon Fox. It is interesting that we decided to terminate the contract of O'Shane Zimenez, who was a 2019 draft pick, um, got off to somewhat of a hot start his rookie year, lost lost favor with the coaching staff, hardly saw the, the, the field under Joe Judge, and then came back this year and played okay under Wink. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's a complete shock, but given the fact that they waved Timon Fox, it's like, hmm, you thought they would keep at least one of those two dudes, right? 
So uh, that so with these players, when their con- terminate their contracts are terminated, it's not the same as waived. It means that any team can pick the can, can sign them. Now there's no waiver process. They can go to any team that they desire and sign with any team. There's no okay. There's like a ranking in terms of waivers. And I would imagine that if I'm going based off fantasy football dra- <laughs> leagues, the teams with the worst records, the the teams that stink, uh, they would have first crack at the the waiver wire, and then you go down the line all the way to the Super Bowl champion team. So the the Giants haven't been a playoff team are low on the totem pole when it comes to the waiver wire. So um, seems unlikely we would see Shane Zimenez in a Giants uniform again. And then uh, three wide receivers, their contracts were terminated. Uh, I think two of them, one is like, all right, yeah, it's pretty obvious. The other two, you figured one of them would make this squad. So the first is David Sills, the fifth, who had a a pretty awesome game against the Jets. It was like eight catches, 120 and a touchdown or something like that. Um, But, you know, we've seen... When he had the opportunity to start over Kenny Galladay, can't believe that's a real sentence. <laughs> he did not exactly perform that great in regular season competition. And then the other two, we thought at least one of these guys would crack the roster. Jamison Crowder and Cole Beasley. So it was Beasley or Crowder, Beasley or Crowder. Those were like the two options that we were kept on harping on throughout training camp and through the preseason. And it looked like Beasley had the upper edge because he had that he had a bunch of catches in that first game against the Lions. And then we haven't seen much of them since then. It's because both of these guys had injuries uh, that limited their playing time. And that ultimately probably led to the decision to uh, cut them loose. So uh, two veterans, but that that's kind of the state of the New York giants right now. So it's, it's, it's sucks for them, but to, to like in yesteryear, we would have probably held on to one or two or both of these guys because we just don't have the depth at that position but the fact that we were able to cut both of them is a is a sign you know the positive spin on that uh it sucks for them but the positive spin for the team is that we have enough really good bodies in place that we feel confident enough not going with them cornerback amani oruye oruye this is a guy that we picked up from the lines um a lot, I think a lot of people thought that he might make the team over some other guys that were were stayed and weren't cut. So that was, uh, I guess, not too surprising, but a little surprising. And then center Sean Harlow was the last of the, the cuts amongst the vested veterans. So the deadline for teams to submit claims for any waived players is noon tomorrow, which when this is published and you listen to it would be Wednesday, August 30th. Um, an hour later, the teams will be informed of any players that have been awarded under the waiver system. Any team adding a player or players must remove the corresponding number of players from its roster and notify the league within 60 minutes. And so the next significant transaction deadline is 6 p.m. Wednesday, August 30th. That's the deadline for teams to submit 16-player practice squads to the league. So it's very possible that if a player goes through waivers and no one claims them, the Giants can then claim them back and then add them to the practice squad. So we'll know a lot more about whomst amongst the waived players will be back in blue. So what does the 53-man roster look like? Oh, very good question. I'm so glad you asked. So we have uh, DJ and Tarad as our two starting quarterbacks. 
Um, I think a lot of people will be very happy if DeVito makes it through waivers and we can get him back in the QB room um, on the practice squad. We're carrying four running backs, Saquon, Brita, and then Eric Gray and Gary Brightwell. And I think a large reason why, um, you know, they waived James Robinson. They waived him, right? Yeah, they waived James Robinson. And uh, Eric Gray and Gary Brightwell had the edge over Jay Sean Corbin because they are both returners that are going to start or supposed to start and return. So they're more like special teams um, additions than they are running backs. Six wide receivers. Uh, and this is a fucking good room, dude. I mean, it's not like it's like one big guy, but like it's a lot of there's a lot of speed in this room. Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt, Wandale Robinson, who was activated off the pup, and Sterling Shepard, who passed his physical. Um, Shepard, you know, didn't see. I think a lot of people thought that Shepard might be on the outs because he wasn't being featured a lot. He wasn't being targeted. He wasn't didn't have a lot of catches. Um, but you know, I think it's just like he's a veteran. He knows he knows his shit. No reason to overwork him in the preseason. Longest tenure giant. You know, treat him with some respect. Three tight ends, Darren Waller, Daniel Bellinger, and Lawrence Cager. Lawrence Cager is like a uh, poor man's Darren Waller, which I don't like the expression. Watered down Darren Waller, also don't like the expression. He's Darren Waller-esque. So, um, you know, I'm happy with that trio. I think that's going to be one of the better tight end rooms in the league. Yeah, hot take, I don't know. Tommy Sweeney's on the non-football injury list. That's Tommy DeVito's boy uh, from Don Bosco. And then Chris Myrick was placed on, on the IR pup list. I forget, but, um, you know, it's obvious that they, they like him and want to keep him in the organization. Nine offensive linemen. So we have Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, Ben Burson, Mark Lewinsky, John Michael Schmitz, Josh Azudu, Matt Parrott, and then Shane Lemieux and Marcus McKeithen. Interesting that Shane Lemieux made the squad, the roster. Who knows if that necessarily sticks because with everyone dropping players and making waiver claims, there are a lot of people that might think that we could add an offensive lineman that, uh, you know, some teams have a surplus of offensive linemen. It's got to be an oddity and a rarity in the league. But so uh, there's a... A lot of people seem to think that the, they're going to maybe go after one of the Lions offensive linemen that was highly regarded that was waived and that, um, you know, Shane Lemieux could still be on the outs. Uh, and then Marcus McKeithen, who I guess looked promising and just like Darian Beavers looked promising in last year's camp and then got hurt. And so, uh, you know, it's, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that he was going to follow the same fate as Darian Beavers and be left in the dust, but he ends up, uh, being on the roster for now. Hmm. And then we're carrying six defensive linemen, Dexter, Sexy Dexy, Leo, Ashawn, Nacho, Jordan Riley, as I mentioned, and DJ Davidson. DJ, please. Fifth round pick last year, um, still ramping up after getting activated from the pup list last week. Those are a lot of big boys. And I'm, I'm very, I couldn't be more pleased with that group without having seen them play at all. <laughs> it's just like I'm already very uh satisfied with just their their names on paper. Three all outside linebackers. And this is where it gets a little tricky. So there's three outside linebackers, but where do you put Isaiah Simmons? And this says this is where it gets a little funky because it's like Simmons can play outside linebacker. He can play inside linebacker. And I think that had a lot to do with cutting ties or waving Timon Fox and Darian Beavers. It's like Whoa, 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 you 
we have no outside linebackers now. You know, with O'Shane Zimmons is getting cut as well. What are we going to do? Well, Simmons can also be an outside edge rusher. So um, not as concerning as alarming. But when you first see it, you're like, well, three outside linebackers. It's like, well, Simmons, I mean, you could add him to each one of these groups and he he, he improves them automatically. So Kayvon, Aziz, and Jihad, uh, uh, official outside linebackers that probably are not playing safety or corner. <laughs> five, four or five, depending on where you count Simmons. I think he's probably primary inside linebacker, but... Maybe not really. So five, four or five inside linebackers, Okereke, McFadden, Coughlin, and Brown. There was some talk about maybe Brown being cut because it's like, uh, you know, we had, I guess Bryce Ford Wheaton was a pretty decent gunner, but then he gets hurt. And so I think the the need for Cam Brown increased there. Um, So that's probably the group that's still not the, it's probably still the weakest on the team. You know, it sucks we lost Jared Davis to a season-ending injuries on the IR. Um, but uh, if he was in the mix there at inside linebacker, um, you start to get a little more a little more confident about that unit. Five corners, which could be six corners, depending on how you classify a couple of the dudes in the safety group. But Adoree, Deontay, Trey, Cordell, Flott, and Darnay Holmes, who a lot of people thought was either going to be asked to take a pay cut or was going to be outright released. And uh, here we are. Darnay is still on the roster as of now. Um, probably not starting, as it looks like Doria will be in the slot, and then Deontay and Trey will be on the outsides with Flot coming in as the nickel or dime corner. And then Aaron Robinson, uh, another recent draft pick, was placed on the pup list. Man, the shit that Aaron Robinson has gone through, <laughs> oh my God, it would deter a lot of people. Yeah, but it also could make for a great story. Hell of a comeback story. You know, we said that about Saquon when he was going through that stretch in 2020, 2020, uh, 2019, 2020, And uh, you saw what he put up last year. So hopefully Aaron Rob- there's a redemption there for Aaron Robinson in the future. Six safeties, although two or three can are probably also corners. So it's that whole flexible, positionless type uh, player that Wink loves so much, but the official safeties, Jason Pinnock, Xavier McKinney, Dayton Belton, that's a really good trio. Javarius Owens, Bobby McCain, Nick McLeod. I think a lot of people thought that either Nick McLeod or Bobby McCain would be uh, on the outs, but they uh, end up on the roster. So that's a that's a pretty good, pretty decent secondary. And then our three special teamers, Gano, Scott Schammer, and Casey Kreider. So I... Love this roster. I think I saw, and I know the Panthers suck, but that was that was really cool to see the offense humming. Cause how many preseasons have you seen where the Giants offensive starters struggle and you're like, what the f- we're gonna suck? Like you at the the first preseason where the first unit really sucked, you're like, ah, it's a preseason. The second summer, you're like, what? Wait, are we gonna suck again? And the third one, you're like, we're we're gonna suck. <laughs> like it's just like we've third time's a charm. So to see our starters play so well and make hardly any mistakes, and it was just so smooth and almost effortless. It was like, man, we can move the ball on anyone. It's just one drive. It's just preseason. It's just the Panthers. I get it. I get it. I get it. But 
Definitely. Everyone thinking that we're just going to be this uh, ground and pound, you know, uh, offense again, where we're trying to trick teams. I, I I think the combination of Kafka with Waller, Paris Campbell, Slay. I mean, like like so many weapons. Like even if you do have an injury or two, I still think this offense can put up points. This is not the offense that has struggled to cross 30 points or to even 20 points. This, I think this offense can be one of the better offenses uh, in the league. You know, last year we were just below average. I think we're in the 15 to 20-ish range. I think we're going to crack above 15 this year and be a borderline top 10 offense. You heard it here first. So uh, that's the episode for this week. Apologies again for not getting to TV and movies. Um, there's just a lot of shit to talk about, dude. You know? I know you're dying to hear my take on Bodies, 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 and Don't Worry, Darling. Two movies that literally are over a year past their <laughs> release date. But we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I wanted to see Barbie and Oppenheimer, and there was a National Cinema Day on Sunday. It was like $4 per ticket. It is now what, five or six weeks after Barbie and Oppenheimer released, all sold out, every showing on Sunday. That's to tell you how good these movies are. So I feel like I got to make some moves and, and, and get them at some point before they exit the theaters, but it might not happen. I don't know. I mean, uh, it's just uh, unreal. It's, it's kind of like what happened with Top Gun Maverick. It was just like, you're just not used to that. I don't know if it was the pandemic or what, but like to see so many showtimes sold out, it's like, wait, what year is it? <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's the episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I'm grateful. I know it's hard to believe, but I am grateful for all five of you. <laughs> Much appreciated. And we'll uh, talk to you soon. Next episode. Hold up.